Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Wonderful day for everybody. What's up, Kenny? Nothing. Nothing at all. We're going to be able to catch the 76ers. Uh, I think we've already caught them. We have already caught the 76ers? Yeah, I mean, they're in a backslide, but now I see that what, Joel Embiid's yeah. going to get an MRI. Embiid, we've moved past them. Embiid has missed the last four games. They've lost every single one. I don't want to be excited about guys getting MRIs, but... Mm, yeah, he's not going to play enough games to win the MVP now. Folks, we're up to four. Didn't even play a game last night. Not currently playing the Knicks in the first round. No. Well, right now it's a 4-5. Against Philadelphia yeah. 76ers Cleveland Cavalier matchup. Well, the Cavaliers are the four. We'd find out real quick if uh, Jared Allen and... Jared Allen and Evan Mobley are fit for prime time, now, fit for the lights. Well, hold on now. If What if Joel Allen beat us out? Then it might be Cavs Pacers. Oh, if they keep so well. It no, might be Cavs Heats. What if the Cavs continue their upward mobility? It might be Cavs Magic. Oh, that'd be a nice matchup. No, what us. I'm saying is if it could still be if Philly goes down and you go up. If they up, go to six and we go to I'm three. Saying, if, yeah. if we go to three, I'm, I'm figuring without Joel Embiid, all of a sudden there's going to be a big backslide. Sure. Y- y- but yeah, the-, the Pacers are two games back of, of the 76ers. They're in the yeah. sixth seed. Then you have Miami. Then you have Orlando. They're still five and a half games ahead of Miami, though. So if you, I mean, I, I've, I've heard Cavs fans start talking about the two seed. So it gets really interesting. I mean, either way, the teams I don't want to play, I don't know if you were to. I would love to play Orlando. Of course, that means that they're going to play Orlando and I'm going to look like an ass. No, you should beat Orlando. Orlando had that nice start to the season. They did. But they. Um, You've matched up well with Orlando. Yeah, I, I I would have no issues going up against Orlando. I'd love to play Orlando. I mean, if you can't beat Orlando in a series, then what the hell are we all doing here? Yeah. I mean, there's certain teams that's like, all right, the Knicks, they're tough. They've won eight in a row. Josh Hart's playing well. Jalen Brunson is a star, which might be uh, pretty good for Donovan Mitchell at some point here, but we'll talk about that. For us and Donovan Mitchell, I, I, but we'll talk about that another time. Yeah, they're doing it with Randall um, Hurt. 
Hartzenstein is yeah. out, and Mitchell Robinson has been out. Mitchell might return now, they're saying, for the postseason. So you have the Bucks there at number two, and then you have the Celtics at number one. They're 37-11, and 11, and I don't know if anybody's catching them. I don't think so. So if you were at the three seed, possibly, like say the Knicks take a backslide or something, I don't know, they're 31-17. and 17. They're, they're really just hitting the gas mm. at the right time here. Um, so if you have the Knicks there at the three seed, if you stay at the four, I mean, there is a there is a big gaggle there, I do think. I know that the, the 76ers have got 29 wins right now. Pacers 27. Heat and Magic are, are deadlocked at 24. Bulls are, I mean, then you got the Bulls. They're, they're four games under 500, and everything else is just kind of poop. Yeah, I mean, whatever happens at the bottom of the Easter Conference, like, it would be great to play, to get all the way up to, say, the two seed, and you get a chance then to play, you know, that – the the runner up in the play in tournament the way yeah. it's structured right so um notably it's not that i don't think we could like beat the miami heat in a series it's just i wouldn't want to play them there's a there's, there's too much aura. at stake there's an aura yeah and i yeah. they'd have the coaching edge uh they'd have the jimmy butler edge and just jimmy butler in the playoffs is a superstar that he gets to a level that outside of maybe you know Donovan Mitchell got to that level in the bubble the one year against Denver, but outside of that, I think most people would be picking Jimmy Butler to be the best player in that series. Yeah. And Bam Adebayo would would be a great what a great matchup that would be just overall him versus your centers. But they don't have Max Struess anymore. They do not have Max Struess. In fact, they they just they well you you said at the end of the show yesterday like a snake. that would you be... chop, chop off the head, and now they got another rookie that's even better than any of the guys they lost in free agency. That would be Podcast. kind of the, yeah, would be kind of the crystallization of the two teams though. Like if if Max Struess came is here obviously, and you played the Miami Heat, mm-hmm. if if Max Struess was just taken out of the series and looked terrible against the Heat, and they just shut him down no matter what. Like they got other players that have to shut down that are more important. But if you looked at the end of the the final box score of Max Struess in a, in a seven game series, and there's just no contribution there. I'm going to force you to have to do champions pose, even though you're not going to want to dance on the grave of things. But I mean, that's going to, that's going to set some people off the wrong way. However, Max Drews plays exceedingly well, then there's a difference. But I do think for him to play exceedingly well, we go another level to this for him to play exceedingly well. You really have to be at full strength because if you ask more from him, I think he's going to be exposed. And I think he has been exposed because you have asked more. Yeah. Well, he's, he's done a lot of things. Well, as much as I rip him for the shooting, it's everything but the shooting. The shooting. Yeah, but you got him for shooting. The shoot. The shooting. Well, they'll say they got him for gravity. Okay, sure. Gravity. Yeah. Kenny Whatever that they means. got him. But can you explain gravity to me? It's, uh, I don't even want to explain. Kobe Altman's Isaac Newton. All of a sudden, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's it. Listen, I tried to warn people that he's not the shooter that people think they're getting, but he's been better at everything else. Um, I I gravity. don't I don't think his defensive prowess I think his defensive prowess is very regular season based I think he'll have problems that's one of those in the stu- postseason. that's one of those stupid basketball terms that are used to kind of explain things away when a guy is struggling to try <laughs> to give a guy an excuse oh we got him for gravity well the Cavs are the Cavs you know when they were when they were off to the horrible start and a lot of it you know they they couldn't couldn't depend on guys being healthy they had issues from the get go so I'm not gonna make it sound like it's all their fault that they got off to that rocky start. But they would they would definitely, if you follow their social media, if you listen to their announcers, if you you just, a lot of excuses would permeate all the time. Now, I mean, they've... They, There's no they, excuses they, you, have, you have to make. They, they, no, great. not at all. Like the Miami Heat have lost seven in a row. And so that's another reason I don't really want to play them in the playoffs because if you played the Heat in the playoffs mm-hmm. and you lost to them, 
I think it would have a lot of people going, what's the point of the regular season? Miami just doesn't try. You try very hard, and then in the postseason, they're just better than you. But I don't think this Like, is I'd be the, nervous about that. I don't know if this is the typical try-hard Cavs, though. That, that, like, that's why when we're talking about their talent, I'm like, man, you really don't have to go crazy in a lot of these games to beat some of these teams. Like, I, I don't know how to explain it other than I, I think do, do teams get up more for Boston and Milwaukee? Probably, yeah, than they do the Cavs. But it's not like the Cavs aren't giving a professional effort. They're looking good in a lot of these victories. And that was a nice, again, that was a nice win the other night. It was a great now, win. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to glean much off of the six-win Pistons tonight, mm-hmm. other than we'll see how Darius Garland does. That'll yeah, be nice. A great game to ease Darius back in. Although, I don't even think they'll need to ease him. Remember, his injury, it's not like he had a knee injury or a, or it was something with his lower body. Mm-hmm. And so, he should, he should be fine. Maybe the stamina is not going to be there. I don't know how much he's ramped up. Um, but I'm I'm really curious, and I think the one thing to watch over the next few weeks is just are they staggering the big men? Like that Clippers game, they did not – Jared Allen and Mobley did not share the floor in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. That is very different from last year. But was that just because that was Mobley's first game back? Was it because of the matchups? You know, the Clippers didn't really have a center in that game. They didn't have anybody play – like Plumlee was their starter – but for most of the game, they didn't play anybody taller than 6'8". So that was a perfect game for you to feast True. and get offensive rebounds, which they did. They controlled, and they the Clippers couldn't get a defense, couldn't get a rebound in general. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see how that looks going forward. I, I think a lot of people are. I, um, is there anything else when it comes to the playoff? Like, are, are, are you looking at it in, in earnest terms of the playoffs already? And how this all matches up. Because it still feels a little bit early. We're not at the trade deadline yet. Coming yeah. up next Thursday. It is very early to be scoreboard watching and to be looking at how everybody stacks up just right now the way this is standings-wise. But you got to take notice here. Like, the, the Cavs have gone from a team where when they had those injuries, I was like, all right, are we even sure they're in the play-in? Now, yeah. we're looking to wonder, can they get up to the two seed? Yeah. What a remarkable turnaround. And the only, if there is a bad thing, it's, there's nothing bad about the Cavs playing well. It's just that the Knicks aren't losing. The Celtics look like the best team in the NBA on most nights. There was one thing that people noticed that wasn't very good. What's that? Yeah, the Clippers game, I don't know why. For whatever reason, why are they having the PA announcer start the defense chance? Wouldn't they just hit a button for that? Now, I, I know somebody in the room that might have, they have experience with this, but wouldn't, what? You got something to say over there, Mitch? They get something in my ear. Okay. Um, did the PA announcer at the Clippers game, I've been wanting to bring this up with you. Mm-hmm. The PA announcer for the Clippers game, do, don't they just hit a button for chance in the arena? Yeah. Yeah. Mo- mostly, it's always just been, one of those recordings. So when you go to the game. And I think it's been the same one for like 20 years. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. they have I got a little experience in it. There are just pre-programmed buttons that whoever's operating. Oh, the it's the maestro night. of in-game entertainment on many nights. I do some, not with the Cavs, but in the arena. So what happens there? Why do they have the. the well, I don't know. Just I, I, maybe we have to listen to it first. And, okay. Because Danny Cunningham, 
our our you know he's a he's a host here at the he fan. Filled in for you guys. He's filled in for ago. us. He'll probably fill in for you while you're on paternity leave coming up here. Yeah. Danny noticed this, and a couple of other people noticed this. And I I don't know what's going on, but we might have to tighten things up. Apparently, uh, while the Cavs were coming down on offense, we kind of forgot where we were in the in the game, and there was almost a defense chant started. Yeah, we have the TV call. But okay, you got to listen into the background. All right, you'll turn hear, it up. You'll hear John Michael listening to the background. I'm gonna lower my voice. I'm gonna lower my voice. Now turn up your radio because I don't want to be yelling in Rip your car. The knob off. Play this audio. Here, it, hit it. Westbrook, nice pass. Levert, he returns fire. Westbrook has 11 points. Levert moseys in toward the basket. Back it goes to Wade. Spruce fires a three. Okay, he immediately knew what he was doing wrong. Audio courtesy of Bally. This poor guy, he immediately knew what he was doing wrong and then started the Let's Go Cavs chant. Like, once you start a chant, you have to finish the chant at the arena if you're the PA announcer. So you have to do something there. Did he correct himself the next time down, Owen? Apparently. Well, it sounded like they immediately switched to let's go Cavs. Yeah, he did it. But I'm, what I'm reading here is that he immediately switched down and went, all right, now defense. Oh, and it's I... like, well, if you're putting him, the PA announcer, like there's very specific things that you have to say and read and stuff like that. Like, I don't know if you're really creating as a PA guy over the public address like you would if you were John Michael or Tim Alcorn or something like that when you're in a live broadcast with everything going on. Yeah. These are official statements that are made as a PA announcer. Well, it was, it was a pretty big game. Uh, I know that you had commented that you, you were surprised at the empty seats in the upper deck. I will talk but, more about that at 640. But normally that doesn't matter. Like the, the crowd in that lower bowl when they are into it and uh, along the, the mezzanine um, extended around. It, it, normally that place gets really, really loud mm-hmm. for the big games, especially if the game is pretty close. And this one was. It was in the balance, especially in the fourth quarter. So normally you, you wouldn't think you'd need to manufacture much in the way of noise. Um, and maybe that time he just – this is just – wait, we all screw up? We all screw up with a microphone in front of us all the time? Anybody that listens to this but show? I don't know why you would put him in that spot. That's my whole thing. It's like why would you start chance with the public – like – Bob Tank is still the guy over there at uh, yes at Progressive at, at the Guardians games. Like he doesn't just start ripping riffing on Stadium Mustard there on the open mic. It's not an open mic night. Like you have to announce the pitchers yeah, being. In, it's think, an official. Hey, better, 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 better. Hey, better, better, swing, swing better. Like you don't make it like <laughs> Jeff, Kennedy, Kennedy, Kennedy. Jeff Shreve is sitting there. <laughs> that going, would be great. I can't believe I have to say third down again. Well, they actually won a lot <laughs> of games at home over the last few years, so he doesn't have to do that. Like he's yeah. not saying these things. I don't know why you're like, well, let's have him start the defense. Yeah, he doesn't come on and go, here we go, Brownies, here we go. But every arena is different, and and especially in the NBA, it's a lot different. We do a lot more uh, sound, and that's been called out before, how much sound they do at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse compared to some of the other basketball arenas in the NBA. Well, there's plenty of sound in a lot of arenas. There is, if you'll notice, on offense, it's more – like hip-hop instrumental beats, yeah. songs that you might know and go, oh, I know that's a Dr. Dre beat or something like that. And on defense, it's more of those hand clap. You know, they were obviously doing the defensive chant that you've heard at, you know, youth football games and high school games and things like that. That's a pretty common chant, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's not like the Cavs are the first people to ever say defense and have a crowd chant. Now, for forever. It. But if you just had a button like you had for years and years and years, it's well, like, oh, he was. Wrong button. I mean, there was a beat playing that was played off a button. 
That's yes. pretty yeah. obvious. Yes. Now forever, and he's just following the, the loudest. The loudest that venue would get in big games, especially obviously when LeBron was here, when they would on the Humongotron put up either a picture of Big Ben when the other team was shooting a free Correct. throw. Or the Michigan Wolverines, Correct. to which then Ken would get up and start cheering. Oh, that's my team. Yeah, he I like go. the Michigan Wolverines. Like oh, Michigan. hail to the victors. I don't like Michigan. Hope they win a national championship. You might not like Michigan, know. but. Yeah. I hate Ohio State. I don't hate Ohio State. But that's that's what they would do. Ohio in State terms... basketball might hate themselves. That's coming up in the next <laughs> segment. <laughs> I don't think I need to say anything more about that. I think uh, well, my case is. I don't say your phone's not blowing up this time. <laughs> I don't know why. Seems like he's pretty resigned to his fate, but we'll talk about that coming up. Uh, but that's. That's what NBA NBA arenas, I mean, they, there is a lot of manufactured sound in general at NBA venues. In fact, that's almost to a detriment to uh-huh. some fans. Some fans cannot stand that they, they just don't let the game breathe, that there's all this noise going on. There's never-ending entertainment going on. Kids love it. It's gotten to the point, though, but I'll admit. a certain demographic does not like it. I think it would be awkward if it would just silence as they were playing basketball. Well, and just, that's like, one of the cr- things. Ambient crowd noise. As Especially early basketball. in the season, you're doing all that, and then as the playoffs come, everybody wants it to stop. Well, how do you just stop doing what you've been doing and draws people in and keeps the attention of I, kids, especially? I kind of think the base, the this, and this is why you notice, is because it's it is a little jarring, but there is a rhythm to it where it's like, all right, on defense they're gonna put the do 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 do, or like on offense they're gonna do that, and then on defense they're gonna do exactly what Owen said. Like I've got, just gotten used to that cadence each time up and down the floor where I don't really – it doesn't bother me at all, and it's just part of the rhythm of it. It's like when you hear the the concrete on the highway or something like that. Like, that's that's what it is. So, I, it, it was a little jarring, and I just don't know if I – I feel bad for the PA guy. I wouldn't put him in that spot. His name's Sean. He's a nice man. He seems like a very nice man. He has my sympathy. He's been there a long time it, now. Since 2017. Olivier, yeah. Olivier, who's gone on to, to – Went to the Barclays Center. Yeah, wow. Barclays Center. Stage and screen. He's he does he's the Olympics and he does like he does a yeah. ton of stuff. And so I, I I think Sean's done a great job. I think it's just one of those they were trying to get people fired up and you know we all screw it up sometimes. I have plenty. Oh, guess what? He missed it. Coming up next, basketball so bad it's making us quote Hemingway. Well, at least one of us. Ken Carmen, Anthony Lima about last night next on the Fin. Now the Ken Carmen show with Anthony Lima give their thoughts on what you might have missed about last night. All right, as we are now in that malaise between the conference championship weekend and the Super Bowl. Hate it. Does anybody love it? If they played football games that didn't matter today, would people watch? Yeah, I wondered that. Stole that question I, right from you. I wondered that, like, if all of a sudden, like, let's say it's just a random week. 19. Hey, it's Jacksonville versus Carolina this weekend, and you got all the real announcers. They played a third place game. Go if the winners each get five hundred thousand dollars each. Oh, okay. Boy, that's a lot of money to win in a football. The winners get a hundred thousand dollars each for third place. That'd mean more to a lot of those football players than like the in season tournament money meant to the NBA players. That's a good point. Those guys would be fighting for yeah. their life. Yeah. So I'm saying I think it helps a fan base so, too. You go, we're the bronze medal, we're the third place. And like obviously Lamar would not play, but Tyler Huntley would treat that like the Super Bowl. What is the what is the what is the winner yeah. share? Yeah. What is the winner's share of the Super Bowl? It can't be more than the winner or loser's share of the Super Bowl, but it's like, all right, you guys are playing for fifty thousand dollars each. Whatever it is. Okay. I think that would be that would all they would take whatever. Remember, a lot of those guys are off practice squads, losers depending lose, on injuries. If you lose the game, you lose your signing bonus. 
Yeah, problem is like Clowney. There will be people pulling Clowney out and Beckham would not play. Like that's no. the thing. You wouldn't get those guys. To play. I think Clowney will do anything for money. The players union agreement is one hundred fifty-seven thousand for per player on the winning team. Okay. Eighty-two thousand on the losing. All right, team. fifty grand per fifty grand a player for the winner of the third place game this weekend: Detroit and uh, Baltimore. People ain't watching that. People are watching. Well, that. people watch the damn Pro Bowl. Putting it out on social media, seeing what people think. Meanwhile, Mike Lombardi was on yesterday the on the afternoon drive show. I uh, had some interesting comments about the hiring of Ken Dorsey and making it work with Kevin Stefanski. Well, I think if you know the Browns, it's going to be collaborative, right? You know, I think that's the way it is there in the building. I think that the analytical department will have some commentary on it. I'm sure Deep Podesta will have some commentary on it. I'm sure that, you know, Andrew Berry will. I'm sure Jimmy Haslam and Dee Haslam will as well. But I think, you know, what we lead more than anything in football today is, a, is as a head coach, as a strategist, somebody to understand how to play the game, what you need to do to win the game. And I think Kevin making this move to, to kind of separate himself from being a tactician to a strategist is a good thing because now you can oversee the game. Now you can go over and help out Schwartz. You can have an impact on the defense. You can have an impact with Bubba Ventrone on the off, on the special teams. You could have an impact with the offense, and you could stand in front of the team, and you could watch the game. Instead of looking at your play sheet and checking things off, you could actually watch the game and make decisions on the game predicated on what's happening. Also went on to say that it's going to be incumbent on Dorsey to learn Stefanski's offense and then learn how to coordinate it. This is very interesting. I think fans do not distinguish, and media. I don't think we do a good job of distinguishing the difference between the roles at times. If we have an offensive coordinator, but he's not the play caller, we just assume, well, everything is Stefanski. And it's like, well, no, Stefanski during practice is coaching the team. He's monitoring all the personnel groups while the coordinators do what they do. I see a lot of walking around and observing everybody from a head coach. Hardcore standing in there and coaching. Like some guys do. Like Nick Saban is famous for going over to the DBs. Yeah, and, hell yeah. I mean, yeah. he's one of the best DB coaches in the history Same of football. Same thing with Belichick, for that matter, to be honest with you. I hate to always lump those two in, but you always see the yeah. famous thing about Belichick teaching how to jam at the line of scrimmage and stuff like that as a head coach. The little things. Yeah. Yeah, so I think we need to do a better job, and it's going to take, by the way, it's going to take the Browns in, in clarifying roles and communicating a little bit better because I think right now – Hey, in fairness to the Browns, they haven't had a press conference. They haven't necessarily even told us who's going to be doing the play calling. They haven't officially announced Ken Dorsey. No, they haven't. They're, well, they're just waiting. On what that. was... That'd be a big matzo ball hanging out there. What was the tweet they sent out during the... No, that was Adam Schefter that sent out. Okay. Well, I think people probably assume that right. was... Right. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I mean, once you get it from Schefter or Rappaport. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe they're, they're making sure the contract situation is settled. Maybe there was offset language from Dorsey's contract with the Bills. He gets fired. How much... How much does he have left of the bills? Are they still responsible for that money? Technically, we're still in season. Maybe yeah. he's not allowed to be hired until after the season's over. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of that that has to be straightened out. Um, I just wonder, once the Browns announce it and announce who's calling the plays, then I think it would be very interesting for them to say, all right, here, here's how this works. Because I think fans just assume if you're calling plays, you're running the whole offense. You're coaching the whole offense. You're teaching the whole offense. Why do we even have an O.C.? I've heard people wonder, I mean, what was Alex Van Pelt's role at all when he was with the Browns? So maybe it's just that. Maybe we get carried away at times with these roles. And you're throwing your hands um, up in the air because you, I, I you're at practice more than anybody. I don't think uh, I don't think that they really – there's always a question about what they're really going to do. Like, we, we do overrate play calling to a certain degree on all these things, but I think the delegation of responsibility – and, and certain roles change over time. Like offensive line coaches, then they a lot of them have started to become offensive coordinators, run game coordinators. Remember, the delegations change because we kind of want to keep guys in position to, to move up or position to stay with us, so we create different roles for these guys. Uh, strength and conditioning coaches, their roles have changed, especially in, in the college game, for crying out loud. So I, I, I do think that unless a team specifically says what the responsibilities are, then I think a lot of people are left in the dark. Gerard Mayo. Gerard Mayo, I don't know if he was ever actually listed as a defensive coordinator. He's listed as he was listed as a linebackers coach. Like they're pretty famous over there for doing it like that for whatever reason that the the Patriots do things. All right, it's probably not the top of your radar, Ken Carmen. Mm-hmm. You like to talk about your product ladder. I don't think Ohio State basketball is up there. Somebody texted me, a buddy of mine, three games ago, telling me what an embarrassment Ohio State basketball is, and I just simply responded, I don't follow the program any longer. And then I tweeted that out. And uh, a lot of people had some interesting things to say about that. And the coach, uh, meanwhile, Ohio State lost again last night. Now they were going up against 14th-ranked Illinois, but it was at home, and there was video captured in the arena to show the level of apathy right now towards the program. They have lost six of seven. Uh, pretty much Chris Holtman, the head coach, is now dead man walking. Here is the coach yesterday in the press conference about, uh, well, really what's going on right now. 
last six and a half minutes, you had a five-point lead and then end up down seven at the half, one field goal for you guys in the last six and a half minutes. How critical was that stretch and the opportunities just didn't seem like they were there for you guys in that stretch? Yeah, you're talking about any specific possessions or just? Well, I mean, you got one field goal in six and a half minutes, so there were probably a lot of them. It just felt like that was a stretch where Illinois exerted itself a little bit. and It was maybe a critical a, stretch. We missed yeah. two front end and one and ones. We had a wide open three we missed and we had a pull up that we missed. So if you're asking me, I don't know what you're asking. If you're asking, was I pleased with the quality of our offense? He's asking why you're still the damn say, coach of the, the basketball part, yes, team. Having, not God, we're in like year seven of this. Just stay, get out of here. Stretch. Go away. Absolutely. You're Ohio State. Go away. Why are you still talking? Why are you still the coach? Why are you still representing my program and my college? You don't belong up there. Get out of there, Chris Holman. Get out of my program. He's still going. No, keep it going. He's still going. He's still there. He's still going. He's still drawing a paycheck. <laughs> well, that's how they, he knows they can't fire him if I just keep talking. Yeah, that's you actually a word in. That's the George Costanza. I'm coming back to work. <laughs> the onus is on you to do something about it. What's Ohio State's record now? They are not great. Thirteen and eight. Oh, and their first like fifteen oh. games are simple games. Man, when he when he win that game, he was. He was bebopping, scatting all over the place when they beat what Sienna, Alabama. <laughs> they had a they had a win over then seventeenth ranked Alabama, who's now twenty fourth. What's your phone gonna blow up over there? It is. Oh, all quiet there. It is, it's very hey, quiet. Hey, Chris, sell us warm, make it hot. All right, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, this is uh, that's great. I mean, he he really did. It is really hard when you think about Ohio State, and I told you. Ohio State is still top 15. Top 15 in revenue. A lot of it has it to do like with It looked like last night according to the attendance. I know. That's what's amazing. <laughs> to see a program die like this right in front of our eyes with all their resources. Yeah. I know they're never, they're never going to be Kentucky. They're never going to even take basketball seriously as Indiana. Like, I understand that. Or Purdue. I get it. They're a football school. They look like a Marlins game. But my whole life, Ohio State has contended for Big Ten championships in basketball and every coach has either gotten close to the Final Four or been to the Final Four. Maybe with an asterisk, Jim well, O'Brien. What's Ohio State known for? Winning. Winners win. Winners care about winning. If you're not winning, we need somebody who wins. They'll show up for winners. Ohio State fans will show up for all these things they'll if you're a winner. For, they'll show up to see Caitlin Clark, a winner. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Fully, they're starting to pay attention to some of the success because you guys have done yeah. terrific. Thanks for joining us, Coach. Great to be with you guys. All the best. Hey, Coach. Thanks a lot. I'll uh, I'll do my best to talk. That's where we should have known. No. That's where we should have known. Things are going south. That's it for about. That last was a nicer night. time back in the day. Seven forty-five FML. Uh, Lima's buddies. Don't try to act like you're better than all of a sudden Lima. All of a sudden, okay. Coming up next, I got a bone to pick with Tone about. Fans getting on each other. Ken Carmen, Anthony Lima, live on the fan. Well, I've really done myself and the show a disservice here. I'm gonna get to the Cavs. Back to the Cavs here in a second. It's something we noticed back on uh, back on Monday night. I keep thinking today's Thursday, which is bad. You always want to feel it's like Tuesday instead of Wednesday, not Thursday instead of Wednesday. Um, I I had an idea. I said, hey, well, nobody wants to watch the play or the Pro Bowl games. Have a third place game. Winner gets $50,000 each. And immediately, I put it out there. I go, like or no like? Sorry, I didn't mean to rip you off there, Tone. And immediately, uh, I don't think the players are going to risk injury. I'm like, man, I think you guys are really underrating players playing football for an extra $50,000 and what players will do for an extra $50,000. Am I off the mark there, Tone? 
I think they're I, – first of all, I think there would be fans that would watch any kind of football. If they had the uniforms on, I don't think they would even care who the players are. I think they'd still watch. Hence how they even watch yeah. the Pro Bowl, which doesn't – They will play games in the middle uh, – if they played a game in the middle of the night in Antarctica, you'd watch. If they played a game in the middle of the night – on your worst day ever and your busiest day ever, you'd find a way to watch. I want to throw the NFL. Show, I would not watch because I don't care about these types of games, but I do think there'd be a market for it. Wouldn't be what a, a regular season game would be, but I mean, fans watch the preseason games till the moment the final buzzer goes off. Yeah. And I'm always amazed. I'm like, oh, which, you, you stayed up for that? Somebody called Old Bullnuts on Twitter, which is a uh, harken back to Lyndon Johnson. I appreciate the history. Spoke about it being uh, a game in, 196, in the 1960s. There actually was a third-place game between the conference uh, runners-up. And uh, he said nobody cared about it then. And, he said, and I said, well, the place is clearly, the league is clearly in the same place it was in the 1960s. However, I went down the Wikipedia rabbit hole, and I had to read this to you. Okay, you ready for this? Criticism of the game. Green Bay Packers coach Vince Lombardi detested the playoff bowl, coaching in the games following the 1963 and 64 seasons. After winning NFL titles in 61 and 62, to his players, he called it the Bleep Bowl, a loser's bowl for losers. The lack of motivation may explain his Packers' rare postseason defeat in the 1964 game, which is January of 65, to the St. Louis Cardinals. After that loss, he fumed about a hinky-dink football game held in a hinky-dink town, played by hinky-dink players. That's all second place is hinky-dink. I think we've drawn from 1960, haven't we? I just think fans Fine. want, want football to go on as have, long as it possibly guys, can. Have guys continue to do box jumps. We'll, we'll do box jumps. We'll do glorified box jumps in the middle of a, of a football field, and that'll be, that'll be the Pro Bowl game. Did you know, Kenny? What? And I used to, I used to watch when uh, we were very young, we're waiting for the school bus, they would show these recaps of the old NCAA tournaments and the Final Fours. Almost very, very Steve Sable, Ed Sable-esque. They would do them for college hoops on ESPN. Did you know? There was a consolation game in the final four, meaning the two teams that did not win on that that first semifinal game, they would then match up against each other for the third place game. And that went on until 1981. Really? I did not know that. So they and people used to watch. You'd look in the stands. Be I packed. just can't I just can't imagine. First off, they they will play for money. Players will play for money. Everybody likes money, especially NFL football players. So they'll play for money. Uh, second of all, don't act like you wouldn't watch it. You'd watch it. It'd be better than the Pro Bowl. It wouldn't be the same as the Pro Bowl. They'd it'd be, be all your for younger, money. Yeah, it'd be all your younger players that aren't under huge contracts. Exactly. You can hold out people if you wanted to. That's fine. It's an NFL football game. I guarantee you'd watch. I guarantee you'd sit down on Sunday and be like, hey, we got another football game to watch in between now and the Super Bowl. This is fun. What's Dan Campbell going to do in this one? Is he going to call? Is he going to call fourth down runs again, or is he going to call fourth down passes? Is he going to kick field goals? What if he kicks field goals here and he didn't last week? Well, if he would have done this in the championship game, he'd be playing in the Super Bowl. Okay, fine. I mean, everybody acts every time, and the NFL has a new idea. Everybody acts like they're not going to get in on it, and then they end up getting in on it and end up watching it, and the NFL makes more money. Okay, fine. We're moving on. Uh, I, I did want to. I have a bone to pick with you a little bit. Uh, you said that there wasn't a lot of gusto with the Cavs and you said national media and then you said admittedly local media 
And yeah. I started getting mentioned in these things. I'm going, hey, we talk a bunch of calves here. What the hell's going on here? Explain yourself, because I ended up getting roped into your big thing. Twitter Actions brought to you by Shiman Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. I ended up getting roped into your hemisphere of of negativity with people yelling at you over the Cleveland Cavaliers yesterday. So over the last, I would say, few weeks, when you know the Cavs are building this terrific win streak and doing so shorthanded the entire time without two starters. Most teams go south in the NBA when this happens, not the Cavs. They went in the other direction and now got people excited about, you know, what their trajectory is on the season. As this has been going on, I've noticed more and more fans on the timeline, on the message boards, the Reddit boards, even a few friends going, man, the Cavs are not getting any national buzz, any any of the podcasts, any of the people that talk nitty-gritty basketball, even the people that kind of just parachute in during the big moments, none of them. They're all still talking, obviously, the Lakers who are below 500. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're talking about the Phoenix Suns. They're talking about Boston, Philly, Milwaukee. Of course, they had a coaching change. You know, they're, they're mentioning all these teams, even Minnesota, the upstart, Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah. All of these teams are getting run Nobody. The Cavs have been an afterthought. They've been irrelevant nationally. And then a bunch of those people are also saying, and even the local beat doesn't even seem that engaged, doesn't even seem well, that excited I, I about do, the Cavs well, right now. Well, first off, I, I, if, if you're talking about, are you talking about like Brian Windhorst? I mean, I listen to a lot of Windhorst's pods. Okay. He doesn't mention I mean, the Cavs barely well, at all. Uh, but I, I know that he's had uh, criticism of the local beat before. And and even I, I he hasn't mentioned us by name. I don't even know if we know. I don't think we would know each other. But well, just uh, and we'll and we'll point out. We'll point out while the Browns have a very fervent local beat. I think there's got to be. You see twelve of the same faces. Yeah. At every Browns practice at every Browns training camp, the Cavs. There I mean, is, nobody travels with the team anymore. I think except Chris. I think that's about it. He, Maybe I, I think I thought he is the beat. I mean, that's that's basically what I thought it was. I mean, he, he, and Jason, when they're he lucky drops to in get, from the athletic. They're lucky to get Jason Lloyd to even watch half the games. I mean, that point. is that is Jason uh, Lloyd joins us join, at nine to yeah, talk cast. Jason joins us at nine because he is uh, saying <laughs> that we need to force a three-pointer with Evan Mobley. Like, there is not much he needs of a to shoot beat. hook shot threes blindfolded. With the Cavs Evan as there the is. rock and jock shot. As there is with the Browns. There's, I don't think there's as much of a beat with the Cavs as there is the Guardians. I, I, yeah, that's actually, true. Actually, I'd venture to say there's way more Guardians writers than there would be Cavs there, writers. And, and, you know, that, and that's not a shot at the, at the at the Cavs writers that are left. That's not what I'm trying to yeah. – especially the guy you just mentioned. I'm not even taking a shot at him. That's not what it is. But if you're talking about a fever for it, well, yeah, I think a lot of people I, – I think for a lot of people, the NBA is their second sport here. I do think it's taken over as number two for a lot of folks. All right? The second thing of it is, is though, is that it is a long season – and right now you're in this you're in a you're in a spot where you're not you haven't been a NBA title contender but you're no longer the up and coming fun team to talk about. Like Minnesota can be a fun team to talk about because they're up and coming. Oklahoma City last year and Oklahoma City this year. Man, this is fun. This is new. It's not just LeBron's Lakers or any of the other stuff. This is new. You were that team over the last couple of years and now you're not. Now there's just more expected of you. And there's this weird level of, all right, here are our serious title contenders. And there's about four of them that you look at, maybe five every year. And you're right in that middle where it's like, all right, if you win a lot of games, then we'll talk more about you. If not, we're really not going to notice you. And then there's the terrible teams that we talk about. And then there's the teams that are the up-and-comer. So right now, it's weird. The better they've been, 
the less people say about them. People pay attention to the Knicks. The most that they've said about the Knicks, Cavs, and Clippers over the last month is that, hey, you've been, you've been the hottest team in January. And that's about all they can say. So I'm not going to put it on you. I don't think you should put it on us about not talking about them. Because I'll tell you what, I saw the upper deck in that game against the Clippers. And I was more than willing to sit there and blame it on, hey, you know, they thought Paul Pierce wasn't probably going to play. And you can't, well, you can't count on Paul Pierce to play and Kawhi Leonard to play in Cleveland. Okay, I kind of gave that as an excuse. But don't line up and tell uh, me. If they thought Paul that Pierce sudden, was playing, then they're it, definitely in the wrong well, decade. If, if they don't if they don't sit there, don't come on me and say that, well, you gotta <laughs> you gotta get them riled right up. I talk about the Cavs as much as we possibly can, and you certainly do. You had a whole podcast yesterday in the emerging podcast scene about this basketball team and breaking down the nitty-gritty of it, how Jared Allen isn't going anywhere, and it was excellent. But I know from last year where they were the fun, plucky underdogs. And they went out there and they got hammered by the Knicks, and the Knicks talked trash about you. That there, I think, is a bit of a playoff hangover. That's not my fault. That's not your fault. Yeah, I mean, there are there are consequences to losing the way you did. But now, past the halfway point, this team is starting to, and especially getting Darius back, they are starting to to get a little more buzz. I do think over the next few weeks, you're going to hear a lot more buzz because they are continuing to go in the right direction. And I think now people have to take them seriously because we are talking about a team that is going to have home court in the first, unless they have an enormous amount of more injuries or anything like that. Yeah. They're going to have home court in the playoffs and, th and they are going to be a problem to deal with. And that's great. But don't sit there and put it on me because people weren't picking up $8 tickets to see them play the Clippers the other night. That's not my fault. I tell everybody to go to every game they possibly can, and that's for all three big teams. And by the way, go to the Monsters. They put on a hell of a show. I'll never not tell you to go to one of the teams in the city, including the Monsters. I'll never not tell you to do it. Don't put it on me. 216-474-0092. That's why I was like, I was like, damn it, Vima, you're kind of inviting that. Sorry, I didn't mean to yell at you, but here we are. Around the new hires at 8 o'clock where we have an old friend dropping in on the show. And coming up next, he's a good player, guys. I like him. But I'm wondering if you're digging one hole to fill another. I'll explain it. Ken Carmen, Anthony Lima, take us with you to work on the free Odyssey app. He is doing the best job of self-marketing I've seen any player do in quite a while. Actually, it's an old trick. But it works very, very well, and it gets the people talking about you. Who that player is, I'm going to tell you here in just a moment. Folks... Remember, Sons of the Shoe, it's a fantastic podcast. It's hosted by Nick Wilson and, German, and Spencer German. Almost just called him German Potato Salad. They got you covered during the new episodes of Sons of the Shoe. Follow Sons of the Shoe on 923thefan.com and the Odyssey app wherever you get your podcast. They should spend a segment on Chris Holtman. I know it's a football podcast, but I'd like to see that. Because Lima was uh, very upset about Chris Holtman during about last night. You can hear that on the absolutely free Odyssey app with the rewind function. 9.20, uh, we have Billy Joel tickets with Rod Stewart. So yesterday, T. Higgins followed a lot of Cleveland Browns on social media. Was this on Instagram, correct? He followed a lot of Cleveland Browns on Instagram. Elijah Moore, a couple other players, people started sounding the alarms. Brilliant by T. Higgins. It's such a, because it gets people talking about you. And, it, and to him, see, it's weird. You're playing for the worst team to play for where Mike Brown yeah, do we want to use the C word? I mean, he is an NFL owner, but Mike Brown is considered cheap. And I don't know if Mike Brown or his family at this point are, are going to be moved by anybody on social media. And you might find yourself in a situation with T. Higgins where he gets he gets signed or gets uh, franchise tagged and then gets moved. There's a possibility with that. But Deshaun Watson made the plea for T. Higgins. 
And a lot of people got excited about that. And T. Higgins is a very good wide receiver, young wide receiver. He's going to be 25. He's very, very good. And has played like a first-rounder in a lot of ways. Is he a number one wide receiver with a competitive football team that's playing for a Super Bowl? Tone, you said no earlier Yeah, I don't think he's a one, but I think he'd be – he would if, he would help any team if that he, he is going okay. to. Okay, if you believe that T. Higgins is a one, I didn't mean to run you over on that, but I got to get to this thought here with these folks. Two one six four seven four double zero ninety two. If you believe T. Higgins is a legit number one, I want to hear you. I'm gonna be. I'm very open minded to this, but I said it to you on Monday, and this is the reason. I really like T. Higgins, but I already have Amari Cooper, and I already have Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore's not going anywhere. They're gonna try to pay off that second round pick. And we can talk about whether or not Elijah Moore is a bust already with the Browns, but I don't think he is, and I feel like a lot of fans would agree with me. Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't. With T. Higgins, if you believe he's a legit number one, then tell me he's a legit number one, because that changes the conversation. But if you don't believe he's a legit number one, then I really strongly feel that you are digging one hole to fill another, and you will just have another hole next to it that you have to fill at some fashion. Because with T. Higgins, I got an aging Amari Cooper. Do I want to let go of Amari Cooper? No. Oh, no, no, no chance. I know I have to restructure Amari Cooper. Mm-hmm. So I have Amari Cooper in this offense already. Say I add T. Higgins to the offense. One, if they do sign. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois and trade I, or they do franchise and trade i don't think i have any picks to go after him so it's gonna shout into the wind so wait are we wasting our time even talking about t higgins then no it's it, he's because because not only do you have to trade for him if he gets tagged you no, have to pay a, him he's a good wide receiver and deshaun watson was talking about him when your quarterback talks about bringing in a wide receiver openly in a podcast you gotta you gotta talk about him 
We're not yeah, wasting any time, but we have, to, we have to go over the realistic aspects of it. On this, on this big board, uh, for instance, PFF has all the free agency rankings. They have him number four overall, like of all the free agents. That Who's includes above him? pass rushers. Josh Allen, number three of the Jacksonville Jaguars, the edge rusher. Kirk Cousins, number two, the quarterback. And okay. Chris Jones of the Kansas City Chiefs. Interesting. So, so then that would put him as the number one wide receiver. For well, a team no, I, that picks him up, would it not? Well, I, or is he just the best of the bunch? Well, I, well, he's the best. He's he's the best because he's the youngest. I mean, I would argue Mike Williams, if he becomes available, he's is is a up, better man. He is, but so is T. Higgins. T. Higgins was banged up this year. He was banged up this year, but I think he's been a fantastic wide receiver in such a short amount of time. Oh, I just went and looked up T. Higgins without Jamar Chase in the game. It's five five games. He's got five hundred eleven yards, thirty one catches in without, five games. Yeah. 511 yards in five games. And how many touchdowns did you say? Three touchdowns. Three tutties? 31 catches. I use the term tutties. I'm sorry. So you think he is a number one? You think uh, if he were... That's... I don't think he is, but it's... I mean, those numbers without the other number one, without the true number one in the offense, says he's a number one guy when your number one's now, not Now, is there. Joe Burrow the point. quarterback in all those games? I believe I so. This is three, four games in 2022... One game in 2023. Because yeah. mm-hmm. Jamar was banged up. Jamar's His worst game against the Browns, years. he had three catches on six targets for 49 yards and a touchdown. And that was with Joe Burrow throwing to him or somebody That was. Else? Okay. Yeah, he's he is a good player. I think the so, only thing that slowed him down this year, um, obviously the injuries and then, you know, you don't have Joe Burrow. If So I understand why his production dipped big time. But what we are talking about here is, are, are would the Browns be in position with all the other teams available who are looking, who are desperate looking for wide receivers and probably have more cap space, probably have more to deal for him, are the Browns even a realistic shot here? Well, this is where I would need some things explained to me because it feels like they wouldn't be without making a big cut to their wide receiver core anyway, to their wide receiver room. Are you going to have that many guys being signed to a big deal? And again, what do I do with Elijah Moore? Elijah Moore was available last year. I gave up a second. If I'm the Browns, I gave up a second round pick for Elijah Moore. What do I do with this guy? I do I just kick him to the curb? Can I can I afford to do something like that? Do I do I try to retrade him some way somehow for even less to come back to go after T Higgins? Like, what am I gonna do? Because for Deshaun Watson, it would be it, 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 right now on the top tippy top with T Higgins in there. God, it would be an embarrassment of riches. You'd have Amari Cooper, hopefully restructured. T Higgins. You'd have Elijah Moore. Then you would have uh, David Njoku, and even as the words come out of my mouth, they just don't seem to be realistic. So I- I'm asking more questions. If you feel he's a number one wide receiver, then yeah, he's 25. Let's go for him. Let's let's try to do this because then he could solve your problems, and I don't need to go to the draft and go after one of these guys that I'm not necessarily sure about because uh, Andrew Barry has had a bit of a blind spot in drafting wide receivers. He has. He picked up Amari Cooper. Great pickup. Amari Cooper's been a wonderful player for this team. I mean, that, was, that's, that might be the best move Andrew Barry's had. Maybe it was. Certainly, maybe it was. Some people brought up the money. I don't care about the money, and neither do you. And he's certainly, I think he's been worth every penny for this offense. So I don't begrudge him for that. The Elijah Moore situation, you've been very critical of Elijah Moore and that pickup for two, for a second-round pick, Anthony. So, I, I again, if, if people want to bring in T. Higgins – then it's it's got him. It's going to have to make sense long term. What about because, Kenny? What about uh, we're we're talking about Higgins? Sorry to cut you off, but what about more of the going the rental avenue? You know, maybe an older receiver, but a rental. 
given their cap situation. Well, they've Do you rented. Think that plays into it. I think that that could play into it as well. But again, you're you're. We're, we're trying to position ourselves. What Andrew Barry, I think, is going to try to do is position himself for the future and that in would, the position. That would be Calvin Ridley. That would be, I mean, Mike Evans, not getting any younger, obviously. Is DeAndre Hopkins still even God, a conversation? Calvin Ridley's 29 already. Yep. You blink and he's 29. Sorry, go ahead with but, what you were saying. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Well, they wanted D-Hop last year. I yeah. guess you could try to do that whole thing again this See, year. This See, is, this is the hard conversation you get in when you don't draft better. And that, now this past draft, I mean, it looks like Andrew Barry might have finally hit his stride. But when you don't draft guys that, you know, can play right away at a high level, you have to go the free agency route, which for most teams is normally not a good route. I mean, we normally make fun of the teams that are the free agency champs. The Browns in free agency last year did bolster their defensive line. And with the exception of, you know, the final game of the year, unfortunately, the playoff game where the defensive line didn't really do anything. Mm-hmm. All year, they were very successful doing it the way they did it. But are they going to flirt with that again? Because normally, building your team like that in free agency uh, is a cautionary tale. But they, what they've done is they've got a lot of people to know just enough that they're hungry. They've eaten just enough to know that they want a little bit more. I mean, you got a lot out of Maurice Hirsch. You got a lot out of Shelby Harris. He certainly, Dalvin Tomlinson was given a bigger contract, and he's paid off. Oboa Karanquo was fantastic this last year. He played through injury, and he was still good for the football team. So th- there's a lot of defensive signings there, signings there that are okay. I don't know if I keep wanting to go back to that well because eventually maybe that well runs dry. So I, I have to agree with you on that one. Like, yeah, you got to hit on those picks. But when it comes to the wide receiver position, like who's the future at the wide receiver position that I can build on so when I do have to, l- to let go of Amari Cooper? If Elijah Moore doesn't work out, all right, is Cedric Tillman going to step in there to a number one wide receiver? No. Is David Bell going to step in there to a number one wide receiver? No. I mean, they, they could, but probably not. So where do I go from there? Do I draft that guy, or do I have to make that move for T. Higgins and make sure he's with Deshaun Watson as my roster begins its turnover procedures? Yeah, they have not. When you think about where they drafted David Bell, where they just drafted uh, Cedric Tillman, you know, they're not taking receivers at the very, very top. I guess Anthony Schwartz, 91st overall. You know, you look at that uh, receivers could come from anywhere. Obviously, all the players in the NFL could come from anywhere. Uh, and you have your anomalies. But the stud, stud wide receivers, I mean, they haven't had a first-round pick, obviously. So they're not going there. It's just tough. You're, if you're living trying to find that guy in the third round, that is, that's a tough proposition. And is there any players you'd be willing to trade for a first-round pick that are worth a first-round pick? The only one I can Oof. think of off the top of my head is Miles Garrett. And ain't moving on from him. No. 216-474-0092. I, I think this is a tougher question than just, we see T. Higgins, he plays for the Bengals, we want to take something from the Bengals, and we like T. Higgins, and we want to put him on our football team. But you know, you know it's going to happen. difficult than that. The Bengals are going to replace whoever, they're going to draft a wide receiver, and because they have Joe Burrow, whoever they draft He'll is going to have great production. And that's why they could probably go out there, franchise tag him some way, somehow, and then make an amount of money, or make a money back, or the picks back on a trade for that guy. But it would be worth it for any team because what Owen is telling me, without with him being the number one wide receiver, those are number one wide receiver numbers. 500 yards in five games is an outstanding performance for that guy. So even though some people, or a lot of people aren't thinking of him as the true number one because you have, you have Jamar Chase on that team, that is a very, very good player for you. Now it depends on who's throwing to him, but we would assume that Deshaun Watson would be playing better in 2024. Now wouldn't we? 216-474-0092. Can we get... T. Higgins on this roster? Do we have to get T. Higgins on this roster? Because clearly, 
there is a flirtation with these two, with with this party and with the players on this football team. Around the new hires coming up at eight o'clock and coming up next, more of this and is it time for us to surrender? Ken Carmen, Anthony Lima, live on the fans. What, fine whether player. he's a one or a two, he is a fine. Or player. he's going to cost you a bunch in picks and money. He's going to help you. You did notice going like, wait a minute, don't the Browns and or Browns and Bengals hate each other as players? Especially your secondary and their wide receivers. What happened to that rivalry? The minute the season ends, business is on the maybe, line. Maybe that's because of, maybe that's, hey, you know what? Jamar Chase said all those things, and then what did he say at the end of the season? About T. Higgins' contract. Well, that depends on how much I make. Maybe T. Higgins is like, oh, okay. We're like that now. All right. That could possibly they be. Did a, they did hell, a podcast together. Hell, hath no fury like a number two wide receiver scorned. And if he's willing to come here, hey, I'm willing to make some concessions. Hey, maybe we uh, move some things on the back end. He's 25 years old. He'd be here for the next five years. So, he, I mean, he would be fantastic. But I do think if you are telling me, if people out there say you have to determine if he's a number one wide receiver, and it's not number one with the Browns, it's number one in the NFL. Then you plop him on any team, yes. and he could handle because the workload of a number one, be able to get open against the best corners. And this is why we make the argument about Amari Cooper. If you're in Cleveland, you know how angry you get when people don't talk about Amari Cooper as a number one. When you look at the numbers, you look at what he's done. Isn't he the only wide receiver in Browns history to have two 1,000-yard receiving seasons in a row? Is that back for real? Back-to-back. Back? Webster Slaughter never did it. it. It certainly says 99. Josh Gordon didn't do it. I well, think he didn't he, have two back-to-back -back seasons. That, Braylon I think Edwards. that was his record that he set yeah. this year. Pro Bowler Braylon Edwards. Which is odd because of all the greatness that the Browns have had, most of it's on the offensive side of the football. So that is a hell of a thing to do. So Amari Cooper, no matter what people don't talk about him because he's not loud and he's not boisterous, he is a legit number one wide receiver in this league. But he's not going to be here forever. So if you believe that T. Higgins can supplant him and Amari Cooper is going to take a little bit of a haircut off the top, restructure, move that money around, then hey, go right on ahead and do it. But you're probably going to have to give up some picks because they would more than likely franchise tag him. You had an interesting idea before I get to surrendering. Please bring this up. So I saw somebody... On Instagram story yesterday, so somebody who I've definitely met, not friends with or anything like that. Might have been a late-night fast friend situation, Kenny. As you know, there were a lot of those back in the day. Uh, tell me more. So, anyway, I saw that he was selling two Super Bowl tickets, great seats. So, second deck, Um, normally that's like club section at most venues. I don't this know what it is. for this coming Super Bowl this in Vegas. This coming Super Bowl in All Vegas. Right. Like the sixth, the sixth, uh, what do you call it? Not Sense? aisle. No, no. Six row. Six row. Oh, yes. Okay. Think of it. <laughs> six row. Sorry. So $12,000 each. Yeah. I called Paul George Paul Pierce earlier. It's, ah, it's okay. I slept three hours last night. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Go ahead. So $12,000 each. All right. Because you saw. Two tickets. Yeah. Remember, like the, that, that seems, that seems like a good price when the worst seats in the house were like nine grand. So that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah, these might be the best seats that you can. Oh, my God. You're not filled level, but you're viewing level-wise, and I'm okay. sure you're getting some sort two of ticks. amenities. That's better than the television yeah. two angle. Two ticks, 12K, 12K each is $24,000. So my question to Owen, and then you overheard it, and you're like, we got to talk about that. Yeah. I said, here's the deal. Those tickets are gifted to you for that once-in-a-lifetime experience. You have to take care of hotel, so all the travel and lodging. You have to fly there. It's just for two of you. So it's not like you're going to be hanging out with all your friends. It's just you and somebody else. I got to pay for travel and lodging. You have to pay for travel and, and board. And it's insane right now. Yeah, it's insane. Like the, the media hotel is sold out, and that's at the Luxor. 
Like it's it's crazy. I don't know if that's a nice hotel well, or not. I've never been to. It gets smaller the higher you go. So it, what? The Luxor. Oh, it's a pyramid. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that makes sense. I've never stayed there. I don't know. Obviously, so twenty four grand. It's gifted to you, or here's here's the other thing you could do. Yeah. You're gifted twenty four thousand dollars instead. Instead of going for that once in a lifetime experience, you get to throw a party in Cleveland for your friends and. Use whatever's left to bet you know the game. Answer. You know my answer. You don't want to. You hear have my to answer. spend all the money, though. It's not like you get to keep. It's like Brewster's but, millions. I think yeah, this is an easy one. But for you, me. you can gamble on the game. You throw the party. I don't. Gamble. And you get to have fr- fun with all your you friends have to, gamble. to watch the situation. Super Bowl. Well, with whatever's left, you know, you're throwing your own party. Can I do it on the ponies? Not the meth ponies. Not the meth horses, but other than that, non-meth ponies. Can we put br- it on that? No, you can bring the meth ponies to your party. Well, the that's Super part party. of the thing. You don't want yeah. meth ponies but in your party. Imagine if you throw that party at, like, Marble Room, and you have the meth ponies, and you're having a good time, and your friends are in. Either way. It's like a bull at a china what shop. What are you doing? Are you doing the once-in-a-lifetime? A meth pony in a Marble Room. You may never get to go to a Super Bowl again or certainly have those seats, and you're going to be in the hole, let's face it, for two people, you're going to be in the hole a couple grand at least. Right. That's if you're conservative. If you're really going all out i mean you're gonna spend five grand at least so what is it are you staying in cleveland foregoing that once in a lifetime experience is this a browns game no no this browns is this this week, oh two weeks you hate you're gonna hate my answer i, I shouldn't even have brought it up on the air because like, you're gonna get mad at me no i'm staying in cleveland i'll have twenty four thousand dollars of a twenty four thousand dollar super bowl party why did we call ken carmen's twenty four thousand dollar super bowl party a nice super bowl party why would you have an issue with that because I have been I have a issue. notorious stick in the mud with the Super Bowl and you look at me like you want to choke me out every single time I bring it up because my whole thing is like ah, I really don't want to go there's a lot of sporting events I'd, I'd love to be at and for what for a multitude of reasons not whatever for a multitude of reasons I've never been hot and bothered about going to the Super Bowl if if, if I was going to between two teams I really wouldn't like the I don't know. I like football. Do I need the fake corporate atmosphere? Eh, maybe I do. Maybe I don't. If I were with you, maybe it'd be fun. You you tend to open up a lot of doors for me. And if it were the if it were with the Browns in the game, I'd be too nervous to even enjoy any of it. And if they were to lose, well, it'd be a true. horrific memory for the rest of my I, life. I'm with you. If the Browns were there, I don't think I'd want to go. I think I'd want to be right there here you go. with all my buddies. And on my single days, I probably would have tried to get in the Super Bowl parties, and you know things would have changed. In this case. You know, it's. I agree with you that 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 experience though is still once in a lifetime. But if the Browns were there, it'd be annoying. I'd be nervous. The whole I gotta time. go stay in a Vegas hotel. I don't know how much those are. How much are those a night right now? Probably well, over a grand at, for at that this point. Weekend, well, the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, it fluxes every day. You're gonna okay. be you're gonna be paying at least six hundred. So a I, night, and right? I have to travel. I have to pay for the Get travel. How much is a flight to and from Las Vegas right now? Oof, a billion dollars. And then I got to pay for my food. Well, you tell me there's no there's no such thing as cheap buffets anymore in Las Vegas. Since they were like, oh, well. Yeah, unless you're a gambler. Yeah. And I'm not Get a whale comps, yeah. gambler. I'm not a whale, so I'm not. they're not going to comp me food. So uh, Owen, you're costing me way more money now, to go Owen, to a game I don't even want to go to. It's your team in it this it week. It is my team. So I think I know what you're going to say, but what are you going to say? Oh, I'm definitely taking that money, having the party. You're having the party? <laughs> of course. Because I have an opportunity to double or triple or whatever my money. Yeah, because you can if gamble on the game. If you're giving me house money, right? I'm taking that and trying to make that money for myself. It's also been an embarrassment of riches for me as a fan here over the last six years. Yeah, but you've never been to the game. Yeah, that's true. To watch your team win it. Now, Don't I think the problem Owen right would have 
is if he's only given one ticket. Yeah, that's the problem. He's got all these kids. He has to he has to pick and his favorite. And my boys have really gotten into the team, and and to tell one of them, you're not going, or two of them actually, you're not going to the game. I'm taking the other one. That you would should make be, him wrestle for it. Oh, you're not taking your wife. Well, we know who would win that. Yeah, but that either way, you well, always my have a chance to would, win. Would hate my guts. Like we talked about going to Buffalo for that game, and it was I either have to buy four tickets and take the three boys and me or two tickets and me and my wife, we can't take the boys because it wouldn't be fair to leave one of them out or two of them out. But I just take my wife to hell with my sons. Uh, Mitch, what are yeah. you doing? Oh, I was going over some of the numbers for the, uh, the flights and uh, hotel stays here. here we go. out in Vegas. So if you want to stay around three nights over the weekend, you're looking at a range of two fifty all the way up to $1,200 a night in Vegas. I think the cheapest one I saw was, 195. Yeah, I mean, if you stay downtown on the strip, you know, if you're not know in Fremont, room, it's it's going to be cheap. But the good thing there is now you're not paying for Uber and all that as well. You can, uh, Ubers are going to be a nightmare. I, I yeah. tell you already, as somebody who's been to a Super Bowl weekend and that was in South Miami? Beach, yeah. yeah, that was a nightmare. You could not get an Uber. So I can't imagine. In Vegas, you already, the Uber situation was a disaster the last time I was there. Can't even imagine what it's going to be like with all these people. So there. would you go to the game? Or are we all in unison that we would stay here? I don't think I would go to the game. I think I'd stay in Cleveland. I I think, I think I'd have a lot more fun with all of my friends throwing the party. And then if there's anything left, you know, it's a free wager. Boy, I thought for sure you'd want to go to the game. What's happened to you? You're the king of travel. I'm I'm just surprised. That's all. Because I, I mean, my well, thought would is, would he even be allowed to go? I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to. Oh, don't even. I stop. wouldn't want to put up with what I'd have to hear the entire time I was there. Get the house hear? arrest lifted for one mm-hmm. weekend. But it adds three years to your. In honesty, if if everything was even paid for me to go to the Super Bowl, I still don't know if I'd want to go. As a fan, like if I was a fan of one of the teams, like it, like if the Browns go to the Super Bowl someday, and I have people over at my house. And they lose that game. There's going to be a lot of people. Who, like, if they lose in the last second, there's going to be people there to the very bitter end. If it's your team, and I've never experienced this, if it's your team and things are not going your way in the fourth quarter, I have to imagine people would start to file out of my home and say they're hitting <sighs> yeah. the old dusty trail. It's past, it's past halftime. So now the regular family doesn't want to see it. And now here we are. And it's like, you know what? Mm, I'd rather go home. And so by the time it hits triple zero... I'm cleaning up, and I don't got to deal with it, and I can just be home. If I'm at the game, and they're losing the game, I got to deal with everything. The the histrionics, all the all the confetti falling, then I got to get on a flight back and do that whole thing. I really want, if the Browns are ever in the Super Bowl, I'm sorry. I, I mean, we might have, if we could go for work, and we'd have to, fine, but at the same time, if I could avoid it, I'd try to avoid the it. The one I'd good thing about here. Vegas is, if things are going south, and it's, you know, ten minutes left in the fourth, and you're down twenty-one or whatever. You know, it's there's just no, no logical way to be back in Vegas. You can at least walk out the door, and there is a whole nother. You go see Penn and Teller. Yeah, of course. That's the <laughs> is thing that going to raise do. your spirits? I do want to see Penn and, Penn and Teller. Man, we should have done this with Penn and Teller instead of the Super Bowl. Might at, have given, might have given a different answer. Either way, Carrot Top show. I think I'd like to go see Carrot Top, Kenny. So Baker Mayfield made the Pro Bowl yesterday. Are you ready to surrender the Baker Wars? Absolutely not. I know that's the answer you probably wanted during the break. <laughs> Ken asked me during the break. He said, no, you have I to answer one answer way or another. I go, well, I don't know how long this is going to be if you answer a certain <laughs> way about the Baker Wars. So I, I will say that 
he has had an amazing year. I did not expect him to ever even have a full-time starting job. So he won the job. Who is he competing against back in training camp? Like, there was a competition. People Kyle Trask. You're right. Yeah. Kyle it was Trask. Kyle Trask. And some people were like, oh, Baker's wounded. He's not going to – he's not even going to win that job. And not only does he win the job, he actually has a very 2020-like season. I think he was a little more consistent in 2020 under Stefanski and with the Browns. Do you think I'm – Correct uh, yeah, in saying no, that. Yeah, I mean, he, he battled back. He Remember, he did have a rib injury this year. Yeah, yeah, he did. So he did battle back from an injury. He had a great year. He had a great year. He proved people like me wrong in a lot of ways. I did not think. So you're not ready get, to give up the fight? But I'm not because I, I still might. The reason I wanted to go after Deshaun Watson is that I thought there was a cap on Baker Mayfield. I, I thought there was a limitation. Well, now, wait a minute, because I was getting ready to walk on board the USS Missouri and I might need to walk back down the plank here. What is what's the stipulation then? Because you bring it up to Sean Watson, it's like, well, okay, we both were like, they're gonna go after a different quarterback. We have to prepare ourselves for it. We knew that they were they were snooping around Houston at that time, but we weren't really saying anything, you and I. I mean, we're going back through our personal history together here. And it's like, hey, he's a better quarterback. If we're just talking about better quarterbacks here, then you gotta go find the better quarterback. Now here we are a couple years later. I do think there's a ceiling on Baker Mayfield, Anthony. But now I don't want to sit there and root for Baker Mayfield to fail to justify what the Browns' actions are of going for Deshaun Watson. Leave everything else out of it. If we're looking at football and football only. I, I don't know if the other guy is going to get to the level he previously was in Houston. This guy is still going back to the level he previously was in Cleveland, which is not the elite level that people have made him out to be. He is a good quarterback. He's a guy that's going to make a lot of money in this league, but he is not what he was drafted to be number one to be. Is I think that's a very fair thing to say, as much as people are going to get emotional and start cussing me out over it. But if, if we're talking about giving up the fight, I've been ready to give up the fight here. Every day with the Baker Mayfield stuff. Every day with the emotional people jumping into my mentions, jumping into my email, talking to me about Baker Mayfield did this and that with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm going... Guys, he went to the playoffs. You're, you, wouldn't you expect a number one quarterback to go to the playoffs? And by the way, that does not absolve Deshaun Watson of the responsibility of having, having to take the Browns further in the playoffs. Because if we made the move for this and it ends up not working out, okay, but how much better off we, will we be with Baker Mayfield? The only way it's truly a win for the other side is if Baker Mayfield were, gonna, were to go to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl or to take them to the NFC Championship game and we never get to the AFC Championship game. Then I'm saying, okay, definitely 100% terrible trade, terrible move, that's it. But if it's just to get to the playoffs here, Baker Mayfield could have taken us to the playoffs. That's what Baker Mayfield could have done. But if we're talking about the other quarterbacks I mean, here, obviously I did not think, and I think you're in agreement, that Baker was going to get them past Josh Allen, uh, Patrick Mahomes, and – you know, this this Joe Burrow, for that matter. And I know he has individual wins against certain certain guys. Mm -hmm. But I never thought he would be good enough to be able to, to pull that off. If you're anti-Baker, are you ready to surrender in the Baker Wars? 216-474-0092. We'll get a couple of these people in here. And Lima, you told me a couple of your friends are turning their backs on you. It's coming up in FML on the fan. We go around the NFL new hires coming up at 8 o'clock. And then at 820... I don't want to think worst case scenario, there's going to be something you're happy, you're going to be happy that's in your back pocket. It has to do with your football team. And then I guess we got fan on fan 
arguments going on with, with Jason Lloyd coming up at 9 o'clock. Talk Cavs with him. 216-474-0092. FML coming up in just a moment. I, I'm ready to just hey, say, hey, you know what? That's enough. If, if, I think this is as high as Baker goes. I think he's a he, I think he's a pro bowler. I think he can take a good football team to the playoffs. I, I, I'm sorry, guys. I do think there's a perfect way that if he's protected, he can beat you. He's a good quarterback. Is he Jared Goff? He is not a great quarterback. He might be. I don't know. Jared's a little bit bigger. Um, Jared, I think, is a little bit of a better athlete. Maybe he is, but I, I, I can't see Baker Mayfield playing in an NFC championship game. But I got nothing against him. I don't have anything against him, and uh, I, I, I can't sit there and wish ill will on him when I'm trying to get the Browns to continue Funny a thing successful is, run. Kenny, he was very close to beating Patrick Mahomes yeah, in Kansas was. City, despite everything we said. And, yeah. I mean, he wasn't he pretty close two weeks ago from getting to the NFC Championship game? Yeah, a lot of guys get close. A lot of guys get close. And if, if he gets to the NFC Championship game, then I'll admit I'm wrong there. But I'm like, hey, you know what? Um, he's not out of the league. At one point, I, I was worried he might actually wash out of the league. Not out of the league. Uh, he's played pretty well this year. And I go, okay, for all the Baker people, I think this is the ceiling. And if you want to pump your chest out about this, it's fine. It's fine. It doesn't mean that Deshaun Watson is any better right now. And it doesn't mean that I'm saying that Deshaun Watson is going to be better. It's still going to be incumbent upon him to take the Browns further. That's why you give up three first-round picks for the guy is to go further than the divisional round of the playoffs. Two one six four seven four double zero ninety two. Let me get the. All right, I got pick because I don't have any things over here. Go ahead, Ryan in Painesville. Hello, sorry, Ryan. Hey, morning, Ken. Morning, Anthony. How you guys doing? (sighs) Sorry, buddy. That's not your fault. Go right on ahead. Um, first off, Owen, congratulations on your team getting there. I'm happy for you. Who cares? Um, He's done this before. Ryan, this is old hat. Keep telling me good. Oh. Best friend from the Marines. He's a Niners fan, and I had bought him a Ronnie Lott jersey, so I'm, I'm rooting for both you guys. But um, now I Ronnie Lott finished his career right, in Kansas right. City. He, he did. Well, he did. did. <laughs> Go ahead. In, the reg- in regards to Baker, um, I want to say I I love Baker to death. I loved when he was in Cleveland. I do think he is actually, you know, I don't think he's a good quarterback or a great quarterback. He's somewhere in between. But my biggest argument against him that I never hear in Lima, you used to make this a lot, and I, I don't know why it, it's kind of gone to the wayside, but ba- the thing that holds Baker back so much is he is so bad in the final two minutes, which is what makes you an elite quarterback. I mean, in the divisional round, what did it come? Three out of four games came to the last drive. And Baker something at, like, what, 2-14, and 2-15 and 15 Lima, where he just cannot come from behind. He pushes too hard. He, he gets frantic, and, and he's seeing ghosts on the field. And in the playoffs, that's it mainly comes down to the last drive. That's what makes all the you know the elite quarterbacks so great. And Baker just can never get over that hump. It's and that is same. always my, well, Ryan, my, it's always the same, final argument. Yeah, it's the same situation. He knows about big moments. Uh, he is a man who is very confident, borderline arrogant. And, uh, and you need to be that way to be a professional quarterback. I mean, we were talking about the confidence level of Deshaun Watson. Let's be serious here, Ryan. Mm-hmm. But, but he's a guy who also understands what, what we pride ourselves on in the NFL, what we, what we talk about all the time. And you go back to the Kansas City Chiefs game, a pass that he didn't have to make. You go back to the game uh, against the Lions, a, a pass that he did not have to make. Uh, he, I think he forces the issue. And I think that that has cost him in, in these two moments. But I do think he's good enough to get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or any team with a decent roster back there. I, and so it's like, hey, you know what? You're going to make a lot of money. You're going to have a fine career. You're about to have a baby. Congratulations on all Baker Mayfield's success. Might see him in commercials again. Yeah. 
I'm fine to move and, on. And, that, and that's completely, you know, if that's if that's what you know the fan base that for whomever team he's playing for wants, you know, playoffs, and, and that's great. Hey, you go. That's perfectly fine. But I mean, for me, you know, the end goal, like we always say, is the Super Bowl, and I don't think he's going to be able to ever achieve that because, you know, even with a phenomenal defense, eventually, you know. It's gonna come down, especially with today's yep. rules in the NFL and the and how high-powered offenses are. You're never going to be able to to win a yep. game without being able to win in the last two minutes. And he is just incapable of doing that. Or he's just not yeah. in this point in his career. He's he's horrible. At and if he gets over on it, and Ryan, thank you for the call. If he gets over on it, then I'll, I'll reevaluate that. But as far as the Baker Wars go, I think this is as high as it goes. And if that's better than the Browns, then I guess you guys win in the end. Are we ready for FML? Time for FML. FML, my life. My life. FML. Kenny, what do we do? Fixing lives. My life. I'm getting annoyed, Kenny, because we are all on a bunch of text threads. Yeah. And almost it's become the bane of my existence. I have every notification turned off Mm -hmm. because my phone would die if it lit up every time there was a text. You're very important. We get it. It's It's not that at all. It's just a bunch of people telling the same jokes. That's all it is. It's a bunch of people trying to get a rise out of anything that happens. If some notable celebrity dies, here's the eight jokes about it. Like, uh-huh. that's that's what this is for. The, all the stuff that if you said any of it, you'd get fired immediately. All the stuff you do in the confines of your yeah. home. So what's the problem? So the problem is, on all these very toxic threads, where it's all one-upsmanship, <sighs> apparently now I have to watch what I text. Because one of them was a video. <sighs> Let's yeah, just face be it. Be careful how you explain this. Every time Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys lose, there are a bunch of memes involving Jerry Jones. Okay. I'll just leave it at that. All right. Do your own investigation. I will have to during the break. Go ahead, because I am not familiar. Continue. So, apparently, one of my buddies who is a doctor okay. played one of those videos. Whoa! And there were a bunch of people around him. And there was a word said that you're really not supposed to say ever. And that word was said. And he goes, Lima, you're supposed to say NS. What is it? Not safe for work. Not safe for work. Why would he? No. I think the onus is not on me. At least I thought the onus is on you. Wait a minute. And how you're going to open these up. You have to know. So it's not. If if you say something, if if you send something that's tawdry. Or something like that. Shouldn't you understand the person sending it to you? I I thought the thread that like you're sending it on. My mother-in-law texts me from time to time. It's very rare. But if my mother-in-law sent she me, send you those videos. If my mother-in-law <laughs> sent me the uh, like the uh, uh, one of those things that you click on when the weather is there and it's the guy sitting on the edge of the bed without pants. Oh yeah. If she were to send that to me, I'd be pretty shocked. But if you were to send that to me. Or a mo- any number of people, it's like, I know where this is going. We're not going to be fooled by this. Like, that's one of the things that I think that that is there. Like, if you send me something, I imagine it's not going to be uh, too great. <laughs> if Owen sends me something, I imagine it's not going to be like too great. Like that one from the uh, Brownstone in Brooklyn? You like that one? Okay, we're moving on from that. Like, I don't <laughs> – the responsibility ultimately is of the person opening up the phone. Like, that's, that's what I always thought. Yeah. But according to some – it is me that I 
have to understand what the he, sensibilities of everybody so involved. So has he left the is he left the group chat? No, I'm what? saying I'm going to leave the chat. I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and open myself up to he this kind of criticism. You can't push you off the thread. All-star closer Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You shouldn't be pushed off the thread. It's up to him to have the responsibility to know that you really shouldn't open things up that you don't know in front of God and everybody if, you, if you're in front of strangers like that. Like, I've opened up plenty of things from you, and it's like, okay, I'm around Liz. Liz knows who you are. It's the same thing well, with Ken, just about everybody here. Ken did this yesterday. I called Ken yesterday, and he goes, you're on speakerphone. I do, always do that to Immediately, everybody. Immediately, and I'm like, God, I love, I love our relationship. Yeah. Because you understand exactly what's at stake at any time. I tell you There that, will be no mistakes. I tell everybody that. I go, if I have the phone, because I hate holding the phone in my ear, I go, you're on speaker, because I don't I do not do earbuds, I don't do the AirPods, I don't, uh, my ears just don't fit them, I don't know what's going on, but I go, you're on speaker, and so that tells you, don't be saying things you don't want other people to hear, because they're going to hear them. I think this is going to cost me the thread. I, I think it's probably time to get Good. out of the thread. Good. And if it people, sucks. It you, sucks that one one incident like that is going to cost the thread. But you know what? In the end, it alleviates me having to look at my phone every five seconds to see what the latest is. So have there been other people that have, have warned you about the oh, NSFW? Went, yeah. I got to say, it kind of went dark. I mean, the thread kind of went dark after that. And I'm like, all right, so I stepped in it. That's what happened. You guys are all texting me behind my back now. That's great. I mean, I'm assuming that's happening. How long has They've this just started a new thread without you. How long has the doctor yeah. known you? Uh, six years, seven years. That's not your and they know what they're getting from me. I also know what they're what I'm getting from them. Hey, you know what? One of them happens to be a Michigan fan. I don't need to be in you're that thread the, because all it was was a bunch of bragging on a group since thread, they won the championship. But you're on a group thread with a low-rent entertainer. And I'm the same. You kind of know you're <laughs> going to be getting some low-brow humor. Are you not? Oh, well, the lowest. Yeah. So I don't understand what their problem is. It's like, I can't believe Anthony sent this to me. Again, if my mother-in-law sent me something... I would be pretty surprised. But if, if I sent something to you or you sent something to me or Keith for Eddie, that matter, I've had, or anybody. I've had people say, and I know Owen, th- th- this is not a work phone. Mitch but, doesn't know yet. But at times I'm using the Wi-Fi from our company right now. That could be the case if I'm somewhere else. Maybe he's using the Wi-Fi from a hospital. I, I've i had people say that you've just got to assume any text you send is going to be read by someone else. Well, and I'm like, well, I can't live in this world then. Once that, I just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go and move, you know, to, to, to some, outpost uh somewhere in australia like i'm not i'm not going there new and zealand just, is yeah, what he new said zealand. i'm not just gonna live there for the rest of my life and not deal with anybody else i wonder how many people have found themselves in that situation i think you're better off for it personally coming up next i do want to ask our buddy abe gordon about this because he's going to join us from 92.9 the game in atlanta and if you've been listening to this station for 12 years that is a name that is very familiar for everybody. Jordan Dejani will join us. Chris Price will join us. Because in each of those cities, in Nashville, in Boston, in Atlanta, they have new head coaches. We go around the new hires and why you might be happy a couple are in your back pocket at 820 on the fan. But it is a time we go around the NFL new hires. Remember, all guests appear on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. And we start in Tennessee. Nashville, Tennessee, to be exact, where Brian Callahan was hired, and we were all nervous that he was going to take us 
father with him. Jordan Dejani joins us. He's based in Nashville. He's from CBS Sports, cbssports.com. Maybe they're not really that friendly. Jordan, first question. Do Bill and Brian Callahan have a good relationship? What's going on, Ken? Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, I guess that's a good question. Now, Brian Callahan was asked that question about his father in his introductory press conference, and he had a pretty short answer saying that his dad is under contract, but he had some nice words for his father, so I assume they had a pretty good relationship. Were you expecting Bill Callahan to go down to Tennessee with Brian? Uh, I did consider him – oh, no, not, I did not consider him to uh, take that job. I assumed that he was going to stay in Cleveland. There were some reports saying that the Browns were going to fight hard to retain his right. So I always thought that maybe if there was a possibility, but I'm not surprised that it looks like he's going to remain in Cleveland. Uh, Jordan Dejani with us here during Around the NFL Hires. Is it a concern for Titans fans? Because I don't know how much play calling Brian Callahan did, but – it seems that Zach Taylor did the bulk of the series is a concern that he doesn't really have experience calling a bunch of plays. Yeah, I would say that's one of the more main concerns, if you will, but I don't know how concerned fans are. And I feel like uh, Brian Callahan had a pretty good answer in his press conference talking about how, sure, he wasn't the play caller, but he's someone who has worked with quarterbacks such as Peyton Manning, Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr, rookie-slash-veteran Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. He's someone who has crafted game plans with Zach Taylor and other offensive coaches as well. That was one of the biggest facets of his job. So being that involved in tailoring the game plan, if you will, and then watching what goes down with play calling on Sundays, he's studied other play callers for a decade now. So there's been other head coaches around the NFL, offensive-minded guys that have come in and stepped up as lead men and turn to uh, play calling for the first time in their careers. So there's some optimism that Brian Callahan's going to be fine in that category. Jordan, do Titans fans to some extent feel vindicated that Mike Vrabel did not get hired in this cycle? Yeah, they absolutely do, <laughs> for sure, because there's definitely a, a good facet of the fan base that turned on it. And it wasn't like everyone in Nashville wanted Mike Vrabel gone, but once he was, people were definitely done talking about him. And they didn't like that. The, some of the people in the national media assumed that Mike Vrabel was automatically going to be one of the favorites for these jobs. And now all of a sudden there's only two openings remaining. And I don't think well, I, Mike Vrabel hasn't talked to the commanders. I'm not sure if he's talked to Seattle, but he doesn't seem to be one of the favorites to land one of those two jobs. So yeah, Titans fans feel a little bit vindicated for sure. Was there a, was there a frustration within the fan base? Because like, okay, he is from up here. So maybe we're a little bit uh, different on him. But, like, we all look at Mike Vrabel. It's like, well, things are crazy in Tennessee, but they can't fire Vrabel. He's a great coach. And meanwhile, if I, if I pay attention to any of the stations in Nashville or any of the Twitter accounts or anything like that, it seems, boy, there was a lot of criticism of him. Was that frustrating towards the fans, like kind of when outsiders talk about Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh? Yeah, absolutely. It seems like there was a little bit of disconnect between how the national media viewed Mike Vrabel and how the local media viewed Mike Vrabel. I mean, I think he was a little bit stubborn in the best sense. I don't mean that as an insult, but someone who's going to put put his game style on you in any matchup, no matter if you're facing the 49ers defense or the Texans defense, here's Derrick Henry right up the A-gap in your mouth, right? He wasn't someone who prioritized who his coordinators were. So there was some stubbornness at different levels when it came to Mike Vrabel. But when you're winning games, that stubbornness looks really cool, right? When you're winning the number one seed in the AFC without Derrick Henry and with a, a roster that seemingly doesn't have a lot of talent on paper, that's a cool way of, of going about things. But when you have back-to-back -back losing seasons, things are going bad. You have one of the worst offenses in the league, one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. 
um, the, the how you view Mike Vrabel certainly changes uh, through the past two years. Are there miles left on Derrick Henry? Do you think he would do a team good? Uh, yeah, I would say yes. I think he at least has one really good year remaining. Um, there's tread left on the tires. I think he was top five in rushing yards, rushing um, carries, and rushing touchdowns as well in 2023. And there was significant interest around him at the trade deadline. I think that the Baltimore Ravens were a team that was involved in being at least interested in Derrick Henry. So it doesn't seem like he's going to return to Tennessee. I think odds are he's playing for a contender in 2024. Again, I would keep an eye on the Baltimore Ravens here in the offseason. Jordan Dejani, CBS Sports, based in Nashville. Brian Callahan, the new head coach of the Tennessee Titans. We go over to Atlanta, where they have hired Raheem Morris, a surprise hire for a lot of folks out there. And to talk about it, we welcome in Abe Gordon, 92.9 The Game in Atlanta. First question, Abe, when you left this show, did you think it would still be on the air to talk to you in 2024? Well, I can look. I knew you would survive. It was Lima. I'd have questions about long-term, <laughs> but... But, but here we are, so. That was a good line by Abe. Go ahead, Tom. Uh Abe, <laughs> as everybody knows, you're one of the best ever in the history of sports trivia. I'll ask you this. The only basketball coach to have a losing record at the University of Kansas was who? I have no idea. Oh, come on, What kind Abe? of question is that? We're asking about Raheem Morris. Oh, I thought, we were doing, I thought we were doing sports jeopardy. No. The answer was James Naismith, the inventor of basketball. Wow. Well, it was Kansas. But that really... was good trivia, Abe. Yeah. It's a good one. I'll, I'll add it to the queue. I, I know they can. I know they like basketball, but can they play basketball in Kansas? I don't know. Another day. All right. Abe Raheem Morris. How surprised were everybody in Atlanta? Were they upset that it was, his name isn't Bill Belichick? No, actually, it went the other way. Uh, honestly, there, there were some people who were in the in the line of uh, Bill Belichick's wow. the greatest of all time and blah, blah, blah. But there, there was a, a crazy fan sentiment and pushback. I actually think that that played some part of a role it, it, because it was – you saw the news. It was Arthur Blank and Bill Belichick on a yacht and, and all that stuff. It was supposed to be Bill Belichick. Something happened internally – where someone changed Arthur Blank's mind. Uh, and I, I'm not saying it's the entirety of the evaluation, but some of it had to be the fact that the fan sentiment, the pushback, the negativity, if Belichick were to be hired here, was very clear. Uh, and so overall, I'm, I am surprised it's not Belichick, but the fans were not going to be excited uh, about Belichick. I can't believe um, they wouldn't be excited about Bill Belichick. I mean, do you want me to dump on the last, like, era regime that he's had? Go ahead. I mean, go yes. on, yeah, go on ahead. Be smirched the best to ever do it, Abe. Go we ahead. Had, we had people, uh, Abe, we had people getting in, like, not many, but there were people like, hey, you got to look at him. Like, Kevin Stefanski. I'm like, whoa, we're not getting rid of Kevin Stefanski for Belichick. I, we were getting emails. Yeah, it, well, it, well, I'll say it this way, too, because I would have been a little bit more accepting of Belichick if he were coming just to coach. But there's no way you're giving a guy that hasn't re-signed a first-round draft pick since 2012 personnel control. Like, like you just can't do that. This is a guy who single-handedly dialed up Mac Jones to be the successor to Tom Brady. Like, you you, you got to play smarter than that. And we've got a hole at quarterback here. And so I'm not I'm not giving my 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 personnel my choice makers the guy that picked Mac Jones. Like like it's just that's just not how I'm playing it. So uh, I also don't think he wants to coach. I just think he wants a wins record, and he's going to move on. And I don't, I don't want that priority line in making the decisions. 
All right, what about uh, Mike Vrabel? At some point, there were rumors. Are fans happy with who they chose over Mike Vrabel? Yeah, definitely. Uh, fair or not, people are tying Arthur Smith to Mike Vrabel, and they're just like, nope, not going back to Tennessee. And, and so um, th- that's kind of how they played out. I-, I will say this. There was a big, big reason that Raheem Morris is being hired, and, and that is that he does have head coach experience. So of all of the things that were said after Arthur Smith was fired, it was not another hot, up-and-coming young coordinator Let's get someone who's done it before. And that's where you saw Belichick start to take the lead. That's where you saw kind of the interview process with Harbaugh, although he was obviously just using the Falcons as a pawn. Um, But Raheem Morris was like the best of all worlds, right? He is young and energetic and charismatic. He can put together a staff. He he is uh, adapting to what the new era of the NFL is. But he does have time as a head coach. And that was 15 years ago. And, yeah, he didn't succeed down in Tampa, but but he has gone through it. And uh, you guys know people can change over the course of 15 years, and that's the hope here in Atlanta is that he's different now than he was then. What do they plan to do at the quarterback position in Atlanta? I honestly have no idea, if we're being honest. I, I, obviously, the draft would be interesting, but you need a dance partner to move up in the draft. You're not picking a quarterback at eight, so – uh, Washington's not trading out of two. New England's not trading out of three. What is Chicago doing with one? Or what are they doing with Justin Fields? I, I think if you can keep your number eight pick and trade for Justin Fields, deal with the $20 million per or whatever the number is for a couple of years and try and figure out if, if you want to extend him, that's the way I would go. But it, it's going to be difficult to, to, to keep that one. I don't know how many teams are actually in pursuit of Justin Fields, and if you're the only one, then Chicago sets the market. That's even if they're getting rid of him. So uh, Kirk Cousins, if if the reports of what he's asking are anywhere close to accurate, that's going to be a hard pass for me. So um, honestly, it, it's not a great look if the next best potential free agent is like Baker Mayfield. Like You need long-term here at the start of a regime. So we may end up just drafting someone we probably shouldn't draft midway through the second round and rolling them out there. But the one thing I do know, uh, which I was shocked by the suggestions of uh, this past week, is Desmond Ritter cannot be quarterback one in week one uh, this season. And so they've got to figure something out. Obviously, whatever Raheem Morris told the Falcons brain trust in his interview about the quarterback plans, they liked hearing. So, there has to be a plan. I am confident in that. I just don't happen to know what it is because uh, if you're not dancing with Chicago, I don't know who you're dancing with. Abe Gordon, 92.9 The Game in Atlanta, our former producer. Breaking down the Falcons hire, we now go to Boston. And the Boston Globe's Christopher Price, who joins us right now to talk about Gerard Mayo. Uh, it seemed like he was the head coach in waiting, Christopher. It didn't take very long. Uh, what does he bring to the? What does he bring to the table for the New England Patriots or – is there a possibility this could be another bad Belichick impression by a former assistant of his? I think it's going to be more of the former than the latter, Kenny. Uh, this is a guy who is really popular as a player, and so he's brought himself some goodwill, at least with the fan base. The real question right now around New England is not so much, uh, you know, Mayo's overall fitness for the job and about being, you know, another Belichick assistant. Uh, it's about who's going to be the general manager. They have yet to name a general manager, and a lot of people are wondering who is ultimately going to be pulling the trigger there when 
they get to number three. Is it going to be Mayo? Is it going to be Robert Kraft? Is it going to be some sort of combination of Elliot Wolf and Matt Groh, who kind of held down the personnel job here the last couple of years? The, the worst case scenario is you get a situation where there is a power vacuum and someone kind of moves into it like Jack Easterby did in Houston a couple of years ago. So uh, there is no central GM, at least at this point, and, and that is really on the minds of an awful lot of people up here. So when they start talking to potential GM candidates, maybe they're doing it behind the scenes or working with agents, how uh, big in that process, what kind of role will Gerard Mayo have? Yeah, that's still, I mean, it's still being worked out, at least, you know, behind the scenes. There's a thought process that because he was deemed the coach in waiting last year, that they already have a plan in place from a personnel perspective, how much say Gerard Mayo will have when it comes to free agents, when it comes to the draft, when it comes to, you know, making trades and and, and whatnot. But there is a sense that at least that we got in the introductory press conference that Mayo is going to have a strong voice regardless of who he is partnered with. But again, there is no sense, at least right now, that they are in any hurry to name a a general manager, John Robinson, Dave Zingler, whatever the case may be. Why does Bill Belichick not have another job? Boy, that's a great question. I I think there's why I asked it, Christopher. Yeah, that's you're you're the man, Kenny. Come on, it's it's really interesting uh, on a lot of levels. I, I think that you can point to the fact that he wanted personnel control, although in his final press conference with us, his video conference with us, he kind of hinted that he might be willing to give that up. Um, but I have to imagine wherever he goes, he's going to want to have a very strong say, uh, if not complete and total control over personnel. Uh, I think Atlanta offered him the best opportunity, but I wonder how he might have worked with Rich McKay and Arthur Blank. Uh, I think right now he's going to sit out for the first time since 1974, the year before he took uh, the job as a special assistant with the Baltimore Colts under Ted Marchabrota, that he is not going to be involved in the National Football League, either as an assistant coach or a head coach. I think he's going to sit out a year, and then he's going to take the Dallas job next season. To put that in perspective, Christopher, 1974 is the year my mother graduated high school. She is now dead. (laughs) Uh, For Bill Belichick, I don't mean to be morbid here, uh, how much? He really can't wait that long. He is a 72-year-old man. I knew I'd get him. I knew it. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it, it, no, it's true, man. It, it is. It's true. I mean, we're not talking about. And, and it's and it's not like a Pete Carroll 72 either. If you get if you get my drift, you know. I mean, this is this is a guy. This past year really wore on him, and so I think he wants to get back in the game as soon as possible. I, I don't think he's gonna, you know, be Marvely V and coaching you know, into his 80s or anything like that. But I think he wants to get back in the game as soon as possible. And I think, you know, there's going to be a couple of jobs out there next year that are going to ultimately appeal to him, personal control or no. And I think he's going to get back in the game sooner rather than later. You have experience with Mike Vrabel. What's his future? He's he's going to be head coach. He's going to be – it it could be a younger version of – Belichick. I, I will say this: If Mayo was not around, if Gerard Mayo was was on some sort of you know similar coaching track, uh, and they didn't make the promise to Gerard Mayo, the Kraft family didn't make the promise to Gerard Mayo. I think Mike Rabel would have been kind of the next uh, step in the evolutionary process of the Parcells Belichick coaching tree, kind of that that, that, that kind of wise-ass coach who knows more than you do and is kind of willing to kind of go back and forth with the media a little bit. Um, 
he's going to be back in the league. He's too smart. He's got too great a resume. He's going to end up. He's going to be a head coach somewhere. Christopher Price, Boston Globe, joining us. Remember, he has a new book out called Bleeding Green, the history of the Hartford Whalers for all you hockey fans out there that you can read as well. And that is around the new NFL ho- coaching hires. Raheem Morris in Atlanta. You have Gerard Mayo in New England. And then, of course, you have Brian Callahan over there in uh, Nashville with the Tennessee Titans. All three teams looking at new quarterbacks right now. And, and it's still – And eh, maybe Will Levis is going to work out. I'm not maybe. sure. Maybe. Yeah, the common theme, I think, for everybody we talk to is that there is this wonder how Belichick and Vrabel are both going to be out because they're both two totally different ages, varying levels of success, but both obviously have great reputations around the league, yet neither of them are going to be coaching this year. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because for a Cleveland Browns fan – it's very, very nice to have this in your back pocket. And is this a good use of money by our fair city here in Cleveland? All that and Jason Lloyd at 9 o'clock on the fan. Whether or not it's the best use of money coming up here momentarily. I remember you did this with Andrew Luck some years ago. You get a conversation started. I'm taking a page out of your book. I I plan on things to go well for the Cleveland Browns coming up. By the way, speaking of the... Uh, Cleveland sports scene. The Cleveland Cavaliers, we will talk about them with Jason Lloyd coming up at 9 o'clock. Jason's going to join us from The Athletic. He had a strong piece about Evan Mobley and his future in shooting three. So we'll talk about the Cavs. If you're looking for the Cavs, we'll we'll talk about it with Jason Lloyd coming up at 9 o'clock. But uh, for the Browns, and whether or not the Browns have a successful season or not, you kind of want, as a fan, a fallback plan. Now, I think there are certain caveats to this. And I don't know how well the Browns do if Deshaun Watson doesn't play well. So I think that could change the future of things. However, you can't tell me that a Browns fan isn't thinking in the back of their mind. And if they're not thinking in the back of their mind, I'm going to go ahead and place it in there. I'm a, I'm a Kevin Stefanski guy. We are pro Kevin Stefanski. Hope he does well. Think he'll probably do pretty well. But if he doesn't, you'd like to have some options in your back pocket. And right now, folks, you have Mike Vrabel, Bill Belichick, and even Ben Johnson if you want to get excited about it, in your back pocket as possibilities for your Cleveland Browns football team. And if you don't think that the Browns are desperate enough to go after any one of these guys and to pay it off and to give them all the money or even maybe even all the power they would possibly want if things were to go bad in 2024, look at the amount of money they paid to Sean Watson. Look at the amount of picks they've given up to Sean Watson. Look at the conversation around Deshaun Watson every single time we bring his name up. There it is a, I don't know if it's a 50-50 split, but there are people who are very, very rigorous in their arguments on either side of the guy. If things don't go well, that means Deshaun Watson probably didn't play too terribly great. And if they were to make a move, they will do anything to get the nose up on that thing. And that means that, yeah, you guys all wanted to talk about the, the, the fantasy of Belichick's return. That would be in play. Vrabel would be in play. Ben Johnson, if you wanted to go young, he decided to go back to Detroit or stay in Detroit, I should say. He is in play as well. The biggest names are out there. I'm not just trying to sound like Joe Banner here, trying to sell Jimmy Haslam on the idea of Jim Harbaugh. I don't want to hire another guy. I want Kevin Stefanski to be successful. But if worse comes to worse, you have to throw those names in there as a possibility for a desperate franchise to make this thing work with guys on this roster getting older, the quarterback, if he doesn't do terribly well, you got to get this thing going. Is there a chance it's not as clear-cut as that? Tell me more. Is there a chance that if in year three, Deshaun Watson is still not 
anything close to what they thought they were getting, especially now after the glenoid surgery and and on his throwing arm, his throwing shoulder, I should say. And if he looks as inconsistent as he's looked the first two years with, you know, not just not sustainable high-level play, is there a chance they don't think coach, they think quarterback? Because this would be year three. What are they going to do with the position, I mean, Anthony? What are the Denver Broncos going to do? That this oh, they, they, they pulled the plug they on Russell Wilson, but they didn't in the sign, second year. They, they didn't pulled the plug sign on him, him to a guaranteed, fully guaranteed, ironclad deal. There's no way out of it. So you don't think there's any chance that if he's not good this year, the org just doesn't think. Yeah, you know what? We traded a lot to get him. We paid a lot, but he's just not good enough. Lami, you laughed in people's faces right along with me when when people called up and and I'm not accusing people of doing it. They did it. We have the evidence calling up wanting to cut the guy during the Joe Flacco phenomenon. Yeah, because I thought there's no way he's not going to get a third year. Because the dead cap this is two hundred nine sure. million dollars. But this would now be the third year. It would be the third. So year. you see, you see the light at the end of the tunnel here. Mm-hmm. If you you're have, the Browns, you're getting your first round draft pick back yeah. next year. Oh, you could you could draft. Which of course, which of course, we're going to be talking all year about whether to trade all, that yeah. to help the team if they're in a bad spot. Well, some, you you can draft the guy. You want to trade back? No, no, no. I'm saying they have that first round pick next year. Yeah. That if things aren't going well, but we're like around the AFC is all jumbled up, you know, there's there's going to be talk about, well, we need to we need to infuse talent immediately. We cannot we cannot not make the playoffs this year. Do we want to dangle oh, the first if, round pick? If they don't do well this coming year, if if the wheels were to come off this coming year, there will be trade talk of a lot of different people mm-hmm. to try to reinfuse this organization with talent. Because what you're going to do this year, whether people want to do it or not, you're going to restructure Deshaun Watson's contract. To, if we if we're if you're one of the people talking about bringing T Higgins in here, you have to understand that they're going to restructure T uh, they're going to restructure Deshaun Watson's contract. So they're going to do that. So that kicks the can down the road another year there. And so you really have to hope that he plays well. And again, this is all worst case scenario here. I don't really want to do it, but here we are. And if that were to go in the worst case possible, then everybody's on the table. Miles is on the table. Other players are on the table. I mean, it is it is going to be a huge sale to get the very best out of picks because you could be moving on from coaches. You could be moving on from the whole things. Now that you've made the playoffs, you are a year by year organization. Now that you got back all the, all the goodwill and stuff, it's there, but it can go in an instant. We've seen this before. Arthur Smith was drinking beers with his offensive lineman last season. What's he doing this season? Taking over as the offensive coordinators of the Steelers. Like things change really quick in the NFL. So if Kevin Stefanski isn't here by the next year, yeah, they can do a lot of different things. But that contract is is well, unmovable. And, and so you might not even really want to draft the, way, the quarterback in the first round next year if things weren't to go well. You'd have to want to yeah. wait until maybe the year after that. Yeah, it's tough because the way that they they structured the Russell Wilson contract, which actually goes down in dead cap every year. You know, this year it's or next year it's forty nine million in dead cap. The following year thirty one. The following year twelve. Sean Watson's. Not that <laughs> it's two hundred yeah. million in debt. Two hundred million dollars, like, dead so, cap. So I, I mean, I know everybody wants to call Andrew Barry geniuses for the way they've done everything, but in this case, maybe they were hamstrung, couldn't do it any other way. But it, you, so you may be right that there's no chance that they have to keep 
Deshaun Watson, even if he's terrible this year. Yeah, they, no, there's which there is no just, choice. Which would just kill football in Cleveland oh, over the well, next I, few years. And I, that's it would be why, debilitating. You know, and people are going to get accusatory, I'm sure, about talking about the bad case scenario. That's the worst possible thing I can think of. But you have to. And, and, you have to talk about all all the. Um, what if he gets injured? Forget about it if he doesn't play well. And then you what if he a, just gets injured again? And so then you would have a situation where if you're Mike Vrabel, you have options. If you're Bill Belichick, you have options, but you don't have a lot of time. I'm not trying to be morbid, but it's true. He'd be 73 years old at that time. And Ben Johnson, who. A, a, well, according to Schefter, he was too pricey, but, you know, whatever, with the PR arm of the NFL with him. If you're Ben Johnson, you apparently have options. What can I offer you? If we don't do very well in 2024, what can I offer you? I can offer you power. I, that's what I can offer you. I can I can offer you timing and money and understanding and power, and I can give you all those things. Yeah, and if you do that, that means Andrew Barry, bye-bye. I mean that's I hate right? to say it, but let's it's be true. honest. So yeah. so you'd be big fan you'd of be, Andrew, but yeah. so boy, you're you're talking the stakes are pretty damn big this year. Yeah, because you're talking a complete organizational overhaul, something I mean, they have not wanted to well, do. You you brought up the Cavs thing, I brought it up to you at six forty, but you brought it up last night. Where hey, you know, there's a bit of a malaise to start the season with a lot of fans, and you put it on us. I don't know why you put it on us. We would love to talk Cavs, but there were times where people just didn't want to do it. At the beginning of the year, there was a malaise because people want more. They they want more than just a first round exit. Well, Browns fans are going to want more than a first round exit. Making the playoffs is not good enough next year. It might keep people employed, but it's not going to be good enough for everybody. You need to do more. And it's not just based on everybody wants to bring up the money with the quarterback. Yeah, that's going to get brought up and the picks given up for the quarterback and everything. I got a defensive land, defensive end who eventually, like he's putting it all together right now eventually Father Time's going to kick in. I got an offensive guard that I'd love to try to push into the Hall of Fame at some point. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. I don't even know if he really would make a big deal about it himself. But we're going on a year-to-year basis with him. There are some good young players there, but Denzel Ward's going to be in what, year six, year seven? Is it going to be? I don't know what the future is with Nick Chubb. We're talking about Amari Cooper. That's done after this year, probably regardless. So there's a lot of things that you have to do. There's a ton of pressure on the 2024 season to perform. We thought there was pressure next, this year. Yeah, now now there's a lot of pressure. Your window to, to really compete is only open for so long unless, unless Deshaun Watson were to get it all together, play exceedingly well, and then keep your window open for competition while you were to go through a roster changeover, which has happened before, which has certainly happened before. It happens all the time with the Kansas City Chiefs here, but I'm not going to put Deshaun Watson in the same category as Patrick Mahomes, so I can't really expect that. So there's a lot coming up to this year. So it would put a franchise in a desperate situation where they do not want to go back to the teardown of 15 and 16 and 17 of, eh, boy, we're kind of tearing this thing down to the studs because you want to talk about killing excitement in the city. That really murdered the excitement in the city for it. So now you don't want to go back to there. You've invested so much of your time and your money and your wherewithal and your sanity. You're going to want to try to do anything you can to save this thing. But... You could always just be a competitive football team and play well, and you'd be perfectly fine. Well, what's play well, though? I mean, that's going to be a big— Make a playoff run. That's Okay, a run. Make a playoff a run. run. And that's the toughest part about this for the Browns is this arms race of the AFC, this arms race of the AFC North. They could play well. They could make the playoffs. They still might not be anywhere near as good as those teams ahead of them. And then how will that sit with the fans? And more importantly, how will that sit with Jimmy Haslam? In two Sundays from now, there's going to be people who look at this as $7 million just for everybody to make fun of us. It's short-sighted. I'll tell you about it all next on The Fan. Jason Lloyd, 9 o'clock. 
So we've read this article over and over and over and over and over and over again to make sure it's either a regional ad or a national ad. Super Bowl 58. 58. Uh, 132. When my team's not in, I lose count. Yeah, I thought it was Super the same Bowl, as the well, UFC. You've never counted. Ken. Super Bowl 58 is coming up. And Destination Cleveland is going to put out a 30-second commercial. I'm reading it from Cleveland.com. It's going to be a 30-second commercial uh, about the city of Cleveland, promoting the region and potential visitors. They've already teased a new ad, a nice short video that came out on Monday on uh, the Tourism Bureau's, Bureau's Facebook and Instagram video. And at the end of the article, it says, buying an ad during the Super Bowl is pricey. $7 million for a 30-second spot in 2023. According to reports, regional ads, which target viewers in specific local markets, are considerably less expensive. Destination Cleveland's budget for 2024 is $20 million. So when it's $20 million, I would I don't know if you'd spend seven of it. Oh, on one commercial? On one commercial for 30 seconds. Yeah. Although, bang for your buck, right? But... Where are we in regions? Yeah, you know what? Now, now that and uh, there's another conversation to have about it, which we have a lot of cynical people here. Sad to say, and they're going to go. Why are you spending all that money on a commercial when all these people are just going to get on Twitter and hammer us? Which did I say? Okay, where well, are we supposed to just give up? Let Columbus have everything. Columbus puts out ads. Columbus is telling everybody to come down to Columbus. I'm like we have a waterfront. We have a river. Fun things. So they got the Olentangy in Ohio State football. Okay, well, that's good eight times a year. What else do they got? I mean, I'm serious about this. I, I If I need to defend Destination Cleveland on, what, the 13th on that Monday, I guess I'm going to have to because you got to try some things to get some some tourism. Yeah, so maybe if they're not doing a national ad, which would be pretty crazy, I, I don't think I... Seven million bucks is a hell of a lot of money, almost 50% of your budget on a 30-second ad. Yeah, I don't know if you I, can do that. I don't think I've ever seen something like that. Like, you imagine if Boise, it, Idaho, national ad, like that would get talked about on every, the next day on every show in it, America. And it's not very specific on if it is a national ad or a regional ad. So maybe they're just buying local ads in Detroit, in Cincinnati, in Pittsburgh, in... Maybe even Boston. Are you allowed like, to do that? Yeah. yeah. Why not? Did you get in, get in contact with a local affiliate? I think you probably do a lot of things. I yeah. guess we get a lot of pure Michigan commercials we do. here. I doubt you get those in Alabama. Are they going to show? Although we get the Donald Ross. Are they going to show yeah. those commercials? Is that commercial going to air here, though? Mm, wow. Yeah, it's a good Is question. Is that the best use of money? Destina- yeah. Destination, five minutes down the street. Keep your yeah. money here. Live here, play here, money stays here. Because if you're if you're mon- if you're thinking about yeah. advertising elsewhere, I I might be getting a bit too sensitive about it because I go, oh, there's going to be a lot of cynical people making fun of it. Well, are we going to see it here? Because is that really the yeah well the- avenue you want to go to? Maybe it is. Maybe there's like, hey, there's plenty of people in the Outer Ring suburbs and all over Northeast Ohio are not getting here the way they should, and let's uh, show what we got here. So they they obviously and they do such a great job marketing. This city. Let's be let's be fair here. I'm gonna say something that maybe some people won't like. Here we go. This is probably not the easiest, the easiest part of the country to try to market. Let's just let's just be honest. When it comes to tourism, there are other players that jump. There are other cities that jump off the page. Cleveland. If you ask the a random person anywhere that has no ties here, they're probably thinking Cleveland. Well, so that's that's what they have to do. They have to make a case why this is a place. To come and actually visit, spend some time here, spend your money here. We all know people that come here and love it here, but and they live here. We're talking, or or they, they have relatives and, and put here, put down roots, yes. or maybe they lived here once and then moved away. 
wait, that's not who they're marketing this for. They're marketing it to people who would always first, when they see Cleveland, go, Cleveland, the butt of jokes for 30 years on the talk show circuit. Well, I think a uh, Joe Kim Noah and the What's So Good mm-hmm. About Cleveland, do people go to Cleveland on vacation and things like that? Um, I think you're right. And they got to they got to highlight the good things, obviously, about the city. And there are plenty of good things about it. The question would be whether or not it's the best use of whether we get things out there. Now that I think about it, maybe you would want to show it locally because there, again, there are plenty of people who maybe want to take in things and don't want to come downtown or anything like that. Because you and I have done it. I've been on the phone with you and I go, well, I'm with I got an out of towner in front of me because driving downtown with a person who drives in downtown Cleveland often is a lot different than somebody with um, Portage County plates and they're. Harry, what are we doing? Look at it. Well, I guess we want more of the so, Harrys to come on down. So what What I wonder, what I'm openly thinking of, because they've done such a great job. When they put videos out, they basically put out a video every year. Yes. Uh, and, and each year it focuses on something new, cool, different, stuff that's going on. What do you think? What would be, if if, if this were up to us, if this, if this were up to you, Ken Carmen, what are we marketing? Like, yeah, all right, West Side Market. Every town has a market. They do. Okay, so that's I don't I don't know if that's a sports. Okay, well, Lakeview Cemetery. Every, the t- the teams, but but I'm being serious here. Rock the, and roll. No, I'm the, I'm being the serious. Teams, the teams, the t- tulips. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't Rock know if, and- I don't know if a cemetery is going to get people to come from other cities. Wait a minute, you got I'm I'm not joking here. It's got dead presidents. It's in got it. a president in it. It has John Rockefeller in it and his family. It's got the tulips. Aren't they the tulips? Okay, it's got the tulips. If you're into gardens, it's great. There's Alan Freed. There's Michael in there. I mean, I'm being, I'm, I'm not joking. I'm not making a joke. There. I think maybe if Ro- you're at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, if you're in Youngstown, you're like, oh, day trip. Yeah, yes. we've been to yep. Pittsburgh yes. how many times? So Let's you, go to Cleveland. If you once. buy spots or you buy a spot in Youngstown, can I get some people coming in from Youngstown? Can that make a difference? And I don't know what the expense of it is, but can that make a difference? Possibly it does. Like, I'm not thinking of people flying in here no. from Phoenix. No. I'm thinking of people driving in from from Columbus. Hopefully they didn't hear what I just said about their city. Uh, <laughs> hopefully driving up driving up from Canton, well, which yeah, is it's, not that far away. You're but, probably focusing on day trips more. Than yes. And you're right. Owen, Owen is right that the pure Michigan stuff. And, man, we just did. We just did what what was it that had the phone lines jammed about going up? Oh, the lakes. When we were talking about the different yeah, lakes. Great lakes. We had 30 different places within 20 miles in in the upper peninsula of Michigan that people are like, you gotta go. It's amazing. So, you know, all these different places, whether you're in the Midwest or wherever, y'all have something. We all have something that you want people to gravitate towards and be part of your marketing. Yeah. So we have Playoff Square. We have, I think Playoff Square is huge. We have Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Not everybody has a Playoff Square. That is something that does not just exist in every town. I am very serious. I don't care what anybody says. I'm very serious about Lakeview Cemetery. Now, that wouldn't be the only reason I come up for crying out loud, but that would be one of the, the highlights of the trip. You're an arborist. Maybe you're checking that out. We have the Botanical Gardens. Right. We do have baseball in the middle of the day. That's very uh, easy to access. Yeah, if you come here in the summer. You have the free art museum that you can go to. Yeah, you have the Museum of Art. If you're coming in the summer. Natural History yeah, Museum. You're, you're, even if you're not a diehard baseball fan, I see people all the time from other cities say, well, we might as well take in a baseball game. The orchestra's right. at Blossom during the summer, ain't it? I think I so. I believe so, yeah. yeah. And Severance Hall in the yeah. winter. Yeah. I always wanted to go to Severance Hall. I will someday. Um, I think there's plenty of things that you could do. I, like, there's going to be some of the stuff that's kitschy is not necessarily Cleveland. Like, 
I'm getting stuff for like wine country. Well, that's kind of up east along the coast. Yeah. Destination Cleveland's about Cleveland. It's got to be in the city. Yeah, they're right? trying to get people to come to Cuyahoga County and Cleveland. Yeah, because yeah, they, they spend their money. I think the easy one to me would be like, go to Cedar Point. It's not that far away, but that's not Cleveland. Right. Yep. It's Sandusky. It's an hour away. Two one six four seven four double O ninety. So I can't. I, 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 I defend it. Uh, the pressure's on. I can't wait to see this because I I truly do wonder is this going to look like every other you know piece of marketing they've done over the last ten years? I bet it doesn't. I bet this is very unique and different. So John, I, it gets me excited. Metro Parks. Didn't mention the Metro Parks. Got the Metro Parks here in the city and the river and the kayaking and the whatnot. There you go. Coming up next, Jason Lloyd. Speaking of cynicism, he joins us. He says. Evan Mobley has to shoot more threes. How's he going to shoot more threes when we're trying to get him work back into the offense? Is that the right thing to do for a young Evan Mobley? We put Jason Lloyd through his paces from The Athletic next on The Fan. I've been holding in one thing about Arthur Smith. I don't know when I'm going to get to it because we got to get the Cavs here. Because right now, folks, they're in the fourth seed. I don't know if you guys knew that. The Philadelphia 76ers have fell to the fifth seed. They have lost now four games. Excuse me. They have lost four games in a row. Thank you very much. As my page refreshed, the Cavaliers, the four seed Knicks are in the third spot right now. 31 and 17, 76ers, 29 and 17. And right now they have Joel Embiid getting an MRI. Do Cavs fans smell blood in the water? Well, not according to Jason Lloyd. It's development time for your Cleveland Cavaliers and Evan Mobley. So let's bring in Jason Lloyd from The Athletic. He's on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Hello, Jason. What is wrong with you? At what point in that story did I say development? Ask Anthony. I'm not talking to you. Oh, good. Finally. I've been waiting my whole life to hear that. Well, I just I only talk to serious people, and that is an unserious article. Are you kidding me? No, Don't, you're you're about to embarrass yourself. Don't embarrass I'm a yourself. Very, I'm a I'm a clinically serious person. All right, what's 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 the issue with it now? Tell me. I mean, do you want Evan Mobley to continue to shoot threes? Continue? How about start? Do you How want him start? to? Okay, excuse me. Do you want to keep trying him shooting threes here as we get into the month of February? He hasn't done it yet on a consistent basis. He has. And listen. we think that February is the time to start. As we're trying to, April trying to make May? a run, why Listen. would they try it in April and May? I'm not trying it in April and May. I'm not trying it until probably next this summer. This team right now, since these guys went out, is a completely different team than it was two months ago. They've completely overhauled their entire style of play. They now look like every other team in the league. They didn't before. Now they do. Now they have shooters around the floor and one big in the middle. If you want to play Jarrett and Evan together and you want to continue playing this way, Evan has to take and make threes. Now, if we get to April and what do they have left? 35, 40 games, something like that. They're somewhere in that range, 35, 40 games. He should shoot 120 to 133s between now and the end of the season. And if he's still shooting 20%, okay, well, that didn't work. Now you got to figure out how you're going to do your playoff rotation because you can't put multiple non-shooters on the floor together in the playoffs. We know that. We saw that. That hasn't changed. But you're not asking him to be Dirk Nowitzki in his prime. You're not asking him to be Kevin Love in 2016. You just want him to take three or four a game, and it's the threat. It's the threat that this guy can make a three that can pull the big out of the lane 
and can open up driving lanes for Darius and Donovan. That's it. Nobody's asking him to average 30 points a night and make six threes a night. Nobody needs that. And when he's on the floor by himself, when Jarrett's on the bench and it's just Evan, he doesn't need to do it. He can be the center in the middle. That's what everyone in the league thought they were going to play anyway. Like, nobody was talking about Jarrett. Jarrett has had, like, a tremendous season, and that's a credit to him. He had a horrible playoff series. Everyone was down on him. People in the league were down on him. And to come back and play as well as he has is full credit to him for doing that. And, and because everyone thought it was going to be Evan and four shooters around him, and then Evan goes down, and it's Jarrett and four shooters around him, and Jarrett has put up monster numbers. So now Evan's back. Okay. So in the moments when Jarrett's resting – and it's Evan, he doesn't have to shoot threes. But if you want to play this type of style, you can't do it with two non-shooting bigs together. It doesn't work. But if Evan can go out to the corner, can go out to the wing, and just shoot, just be a threat, just make the defender respect that you can make that shot. You know, I was thinking about this yesterday, and I, I should have thought of it earlier. And people will, like, roll their eyes and lose their minds if they don't think it through all the way. Remember Draymond in, like, 14, 15, 16 when the Warriors were, like, really rolling? Not Draymond today. But Draymond at his peak powers when they had it popping. He was shooting, like, three or four threes a night, and he was making one or two a night. That's all you need out of him. That's it. That's all we're saying. Right now, he won't even shoot them. He's passing them up. So, and that's the, that was the whole point of the article is, it's time right now. You've got to start shooting these threes. If, if the Cavs are going to continue to play this style, you have to start taking the shots. You have to see what you've got. And if he doesn't make them, well, then that's a different conversation. If he's still shooting 20, 22, 23, 24%, and we get to April, well, now you have your answer. He's not ready. Doesn't mean he'll never be, but it's not right now. But we don't know because he won't shoot them. He, shoot, he takes not even one. He's averaging like one for his career. Like 1.23 a game for his career, that's not a big enough sample size to say what he can and can't do. It's like saying a guy can't hit left-handed pitching because he's had 100 at-bats against the left-hander. Well, that's not enough. And and the the Cavs want him shooting this. Like, JB is on the record saying, we've told him, you've got to shoot these shots. When you're open, take the shot. He's not doing it. He's got to start doing it. Uh, Jason Lloyd with us. So I agree with everything you just said about the trajectory of his career, him being worth – the pick that he was taken, especially now with, you know, Scotty Barnes playing the well, is playing the way he is, uh, Sangu- Sangoon, Sanguine, whatever you want to pronounce his name, he's been outstanding. In fact, I have some people saying that he should be the number one overall pick in that draft you've heard to redraft. Whatever. We can't worry about any of that. We have Evan Mobley. He's sensational defensively, and he obviously is a winning basketball player. The issue is, Jason, so we agree, is that he he's just – you don't have to guard him in the half court. You can just leave him open. Um. I just don't think he's got it this year. And I think it's something that if it didn't if it didn't come this offseason, if he put the work in this offseason and it still looked like it looked like from what we've seen, then I'm very nervous about it going forward and I just don't know if he has it in him this year. And so I don't I don't know how much leeway, you know, he's going to be given because even if he hits Lloyd one of those every night or every other night, I still don't think teams are going to defend him. Just like a Coro. Okoro is shooting finely with that last output, 17 points, that outburst that he had in the yeah. win over the Clippers. He still is barely shooting any better than he's ever shot. So teams are still not going to defend Isaac Okoro from three. We, 100%. We, you know, Brad Doherty can talk it up every single game like, oh, his shot's coming along. His percentage is still right about where it's always been. 
teams are still not going to guard him in the playoffs. I totally agree with that. They, the Knicks, like he shot 36% from three last year, and the Knicks were like, yeah, okay, fine, go ahead. Yeah, and they're going to do, do the same thing that, this year. I do think that, yeah, with him, I agree. There's a difference in a wing and a big, and, and you're right, but I still think it's just, I mean, look at Dean Wade. And, you know, we went, we, I went round and round with you guys last year after Kevin Love about Dean, and Dean just fell off the truck and was awful down the stretch. Dean was plus 20 the other night, and he shot two of eight. And plus minus is not a perfect mm-hmm. indicator of anything. But, like, it was such a dramatic number, and it's like, okay, well, why? Well, it's the threat. It's the fact that he's a legitimate, viable three-point threat, and you have to be aware of where he is on the floor, even on nights when he's shooting two of eight. Now, again, I don't expect Evan Mobley to ever shoot eight threes in a game consistently, but it's just the threat. It's the threat of being there. And if you're not going to guard them, that's even more reason that you have got to take those shots and you have to make them. Yes, of course you have to make them, but if you're making, if he's taking three threes a night and he's making one of them, I can live with that. And eventually I do think teams will come out on him. Even if it's a step or two, you don't have to be in his face. Even if it's a step or two, that's all Darius and Donovan need to create those driving lanes, to open up driving lanes. And it's just like, and I, I talked about it when I was in with you and Ken was off. It's, there's like two tracks running right now. And there's the Cavs development track and there's the Donovan track. And they're not necessarily on the same clock. But right now, you got to do what you have to do to win games in the playoffs. I'm not worried about the regular season. <laughs> the NBA has made it clear the regular season doesn't matter. So I, the 51 wins and all that last year is great. You get a pat on the head for that. It doesn't matter. It's what you do in the playoffs. That's why I want to see them from now, now that they're healthy. Finally, they've had 11 games together with the starting lineup. Evans only played like 20 games this year. Like we're trying to draw massive conclusions about what he is and what he isn't and what he's worked on and what he hasn't and what's fixed and what's not based on 20 games because he's been hurt so much. So now from now, you've got from now to the end of the season to build good habits and figure out what works. And that's what they should be working on from now until April is because that's what I didn't like about last year. That's what I put in the article. I wrote about this last year. I talked down about it last year. Last year it became, if it's a tight game or whatever, every night it was give the ball to Donovan and let him go, and he's going to bail us out. And that's fine in February and March when teams aren't trying very hard. That doesn't work in April, May, and June. He's not LeBron. He's not Giannis. He's not that level player. You've got to have something else besides just give it to Donovan and watch him go. And it, when teams blitz your pick and roll and they get the ball out of Darius's hands or Donovan's hands, what are you going to do? What else do you have to go to? And this falls into that category of you have to force him to do it. Tell him, I want four threes out of you tonight, Evan. Go stand in the corner. You've got to shoot four threes tonight, and let's see what happens. Force it out of him and see where this goes. And if at the end of the year, it very well may be that he's still a 23 24% three-point shooter. Well, at least now you know, and now you've got some really hard decisions to make with your postseason rotation. But if he can get it up to 30, 31, 32%, that's doable and livable, and I think that allows them to continue to play this style that they've had so much success with since those guys went out. All right, Jason Lloyd with us. So we know where you stand on Evan Mobley. Where do you stand on the Cavs in general? Because they have been a team that's gotten no buzz nationally until just maybe this week, and they've earned it. They had that nice win over the Clippers, uh, the try-hard Cavs are back. But it's not just try-hard. They are a deeper team. How much better do you think they are? But also, maybe a tougher question. How much better situated are they right now in the Easter Conference, given the Knicks are better, the Celtics are better, the Bucks made a, a big trade? Obviously, the 76ers are probably going to make a big trade. The Pacers have made their trade. The Heat have made their trade. Yeah, it's it's... <laughs> 
It's a tough spot to be in because I think that they're better suited to play in the postseason. Like, what do we say all April? Shooting, shooting, shooting. That whole Knicks series. Shooting, shooting, shooting. You've got to have shooting. You can't win in the playoffs without shooting. Well, they addressed it. They've got shooting. They've done a nice job of upgrading the shooting on this roster. So they've got that. That's why I said earlier, they're better equipped now to play NBA style of basketball in 2024. Like, this is the way teams play, and they're equipped to do that. But the East is so good. Can they get past Boston and Milwaukee? Probably not. I don't think so. They're not that good. Well, I think um, I think fans are starting to see a Milwaukee team that looks very vulnerable. Well, and I would say that it's a championship team that they missed on the Griffin on the Adrian Griffin hire. That was a bad hire. They listened to Giannis. Yeah, that's who Giannis wanted. It became apparent very quickly it wasn't going to work, um, and and they made the move that they had to move, but. I mean, everyone thought the Chiefs were in trouble too, and look at them—they're—they're they're back in the Super Bowl. Teams that have been there, teams that have—I didn't—won a championship, have played for multiple championships. It's different. The regular season is different to them. We, how many times did we see that when LeBron was here? That they were ready to strangle each other in January, and then they're in the finals by June. So you can't pay any attention to this stuff. Like a lot of it is just veteran teams, and this is how it goes. So I, the Bucks are going to be there. The Bucks are 100% going to be there in May. The Celtics are going to be there. I can't believe that they haven't won a championship yet. But, you know, I, I, I don't believe that the Cavs are better than those two teams for sure. The rest, you can debate. But those two, I think those two teams are, are still head and shoulders above everybody else in the East. How good of a job has J.B. Bickerstaff done? Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Like, for all the credit that – Kevin Stefanski got all season long for being able to put patchwork lineups together for figuring it out on the fly. That's exactly what JB has done. The smoke around the Cavs in the off season, in the early part of the year, all you heard was like, Oh, watch Cleveland, watch Cleveland. There were people don't realize how many national writers and reporters were watching to see if JB was going to get tossed and when. And I've had prominent agents and opposing coaches tell me they need to trade Donovan this year, like trade him now, maximize the value. Now he'd be the best star on the market. Like, you know, you could, you could leverage him and get recoup enough for him now because he's not staying like that's, that's, that has been the narrative around the Cavs all season long. And JB has shut all that out. And that just found a way to win with this team. He lost two of his best players. And they just kept right on rolling. And on the fly, in the middle of the season, remade how they play. That is unbelievably difficult. Like, they always wanted to get to this point. They always wanted to be a team of, like, four out and one in and four shooters on the perimeter and one big inside. But it was a process. It was like turning a barge because of the way that they had played previously. And even at the start of this year, they weren't playing like that. And then when Darius and Evan went down, it was like, well – we ain't got no choice now. Let's just throw it against the wall and see what sticks. And they they went to the style, and it's worked. They're, they're shooting 43s a night. Only Boston is shooting more since Darius and Evan went down. They're, I don't know, have the exact number in front of me, but it's over 43s that they're attempting every night. That's incredible. They were like 18th in the league before those guys got hurt. And now they're shooting 40 in the league and, and since like December 15th or 16th or 2nd. It's so hard to do that in the middle of the season and just say, okay, we're going to pivot and we're going to go to this. And this is the way we have to play. This is the only thing that's going to give us a chance to win. And they've done it and they've done it successfully. And he should get full credit for that because while doing that, they've kept the defense 
at an extremely high level as well. It's, it's remarkable how good of a job he's done this year, and I don't think people are talking about him enough. All right, Jason Lloyd with us quickly on the Browns. Jason, uh, new offensive coordinator, play calling still up in the air. Do we overrate all this stuff? Does it matter to you? Yeah, I think I think this is a lot of times I poo-poo, like I roll my eyes at the play calling and I think it's overblown. But in this instance, like there's a lot of questions about and that still have, really haven't answered about why AVP is out, why Ken is here, who's going to be calling the plays. There's just there's there's just a lot of uncertainty with how this whole thing went down and whose call was it and why were these decisions made. And I don't think – I know I don't have the clarity on it. I've got pretty good suspicions and pretty good theories, but I don't have any clarity or confirmation on how this whole thing went down. And I, I am a little bit troubled by, by how all this looks right now for sure. Yeah. You're troubled by how it looks? Yeah. Why? You're not? Well, convince me why I should be troubled. Because – Kevin did an unbelievable job of calling plays last year. Play calling was not the issue. Um, and yet they're overhauling this whole thing. And obviously they're doing it to fit the quarterback, and I get it. He's $230 million. He's, he's the focal point of this whole thing. He's the most powerful figure in the organization. I get it. But it's just a little troubling when uh, the, your head coach could win coach of the year for the second time in four years. And we're back to this whole nonsense about offensive coordinator and who should be calling the plays. Well, the, the reason is, silly. I know we don't have a lot of time, but I, I thought and I'm looking for reasons. It doesn't mean it's the right reason. But is it better where it's like, hey, Joe Flacco really worked in the system. Kirk Cousins really worked in the system. But it's, we're not talking about these guys. Case Keenum, for that matter, in Minnesota really worked in the system. But we're talking about Deshaun Watson. He's a different guy. And a guy who, like Ken Dorsey, who's worked with Allen and Newton, maybe he would work better. Is that something that Kevin might notice and make the change on his own? No, I, I don't think he would make that so change So did he make own. these decisions to make these changes within his well, coaching staff? But that's what I'm saying. We don't have the clarity on that. I don't want to say something that I don't know 100%. Um, but I, I have strong suspicions that this wasn't entirely his call. Yeah, I don't think – you think it was? You think he said, you know what, I've had enough with play calling – uh, I think I'm done with it. Uh, Alex, you're out. I'm going to go find someone else I trust to call plays. Like, and, and like Ken fits Deshaun because I was talking to people in Buffalo. Like Ken Dorsey calls all shotgun. Like that's what he does. And we know that's what Deshaun likes is all shotgun. Ken also is not a trick play gadget play guy at all. We know Kevin is. Kevin loves the trick plays. He loves the catch him off guard, misdirection, whatever. Ken Dorsey does not call any jet sweeps. Like running backs run the ball, receivers catch the ball, quarterback throws the ball. Mm. It's very basic. It's very bland. I'm not saying that's good or bad. It's the way that he has operated in Buffalo. So there are some stark differences. Now, you know, you want to tailor your offense around your talent every time. Yes, of course you do. I would also say if you're a $230 million quarterback and you've seen this offense have all the success it is, if you're really that good, how can you not have success in this system? It's not a very hard system. It's not very complicated. Well, now you've, so put about me, it? you've put me in a position where I have to blatantly put my head in the sand in front of everybody. Then. Well, then do that. I'm not going to. Well, I know. Your, your eyes are open for everything. Okay. No comment. Ah, Jason Lloyd from The Athletic. All right. I'm suitably chasing. Thank you. Jason Lloyd just joined us, and that was a bit of a troubling conversation, and I'll tell you why. It had nothing to do with the Cavs. Uh, 
We're going to jump into that here in a moment. Folks, we are proud to have the most local sports talk in all of Ohio. That's all of Ohio, the entire state. Follow each of our local shows chapter by chapter on the free Odyssey app to see every topic we've covered for the past 72 hours. You're going to love it. The free Odyssey app. Go get it right now. Right now. So we just had Jason Lloyd on from The Athletic, and he went into this conversation that I, I really wasn't expecting to get into about Kevin Stefanski because he had said he was troubled. And I went, why are you troubled? I'm not very troubled right now. And he basically turned it into, do you think any of this was Kevin Stefanski's decision? And I got a two-time coach of the year who's not making the decisions. If he's not the one pressing the buttons, we got ourselves a bit of a problem here. Do we not? Do we not? Now, it's, it's Jason's, it's Jason telling us, I don't know if it's anybody telling Jason, it's never been my opinion. I'm sure people are going to get very upset and, and, and say we're running with something that's crazy. Fine. But he has, Kevin has been a controlling person. A guy who has, has been a, I, I need my power that I have. I wield my power that I have. And he's been very careful about delegating it to other people. But he's been willing to delegate. See, last year is why I said this, this could very well be Kevin's decision. But are we saying last year was not his decision? It just happened to work out? Is that it? Well, and I also thought how the vertical passing game totally took off when Flacco took over. I thought for sure that would just further cement in anybody's mind, if anybody was on the fence on Kevin Stefanski, that it would further cement that this guy calls really good plays, schemes guys open, and now you have a quarterback who's seen and anticipating and throwing guys open, Mm -hmm. as you saw what happened with Njoku and Amari Cooper and even other guys. I mean, out of nowhere, out of nowhere, you have other guys get involved that hadn't been involved in the offense all year. Like even in the playoff game, like it's, 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 it's amazing how quickly that seemed to change. So I thought that that would just make sure everybody was on board about what kind of coordinator Stefanski is. Well, I've kind of, there's been, it's, it's now it sounds convenient if I'm going, well, Kevin might have thought it was time to take a step back. And apparently we got Jason saying he doesn't believe that it was his decision. So if he doesn't believe it was his decision, I think we got ourselves a bit of a problem here. Because when you don't have the right people making the right decisions, then we're going to have ourselves a bit, we're going to, we're going to fall into a problem. We, we are going to go to a bad place on this. You can tell I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to find the right words for it because it makes me nervous. Well, yeah, if if there's any concern right now over the play calling and whether or not Stefanski and Deshaun Watson, because that's what all this boils down to, is making sure they work in concert. If And and we didn't make a big – this show did not make a huge deal out of Deshaun Watson going on Lockerverse and talking about how he's just not that comfortable with scripted plays. No. That that's not really his thing. If you look at his numbers, and then people did, they looked into his numbers, and he, what he was saying, 100% accurate – he got better as the game went on almost every single time. That's why I couldn't have a problem with it because it was clear as day to everybody that he does do better after the scripted plays. What am I supposed to say? Clearly, and well, then what everybody do people says, think? He's trouble, he's, he's has trouble getting the game started because he's uncomfortable, obviously, with the plays that are being scripted there. Which is weird because the scripted plays are, for so many quarterbacks, the easiest part of the entire of the okay. entire game plan. And the easiest part is us having to go back and listen to ourselves and, and, and show moments when we have our meetings at time every now and then, and you know how much I hate that. I'm uncomfortable doing that. So in that point, if we're talking about things that make us better, 
I hate doing that. I well, cannot so, listen to myself. Well, so and so he, if he's sitting there going, I can't do these scripted plays. Okay, well he has to do it, and so do I. Well, so that's the only again, way I can try to bring it together yeah. with and again personal we, experience. We have zero idea as of now. They haven't even had a press conference yet for Dorsey. They haven't even told us who's calling the plays. We have zero idea right now what that hierarchy, how it looks like, mm-hmm. how it's going to be set up. But it does beg the question that if. If, like Mike Lombardi said yesterday on the afternoon show, that he thinks, yeah, it was probably probably above Kevin Stefanski on the play calling thing. We have no idea if that's true. But if that would be the case, then do you think that would be an indication that the organization has some real questions about Deshaun Watson and the way that he likes to play football and the way that Kevin Stefanski likes to call a football game? Because we're in year three. We're going into year three of this. And if that's still in question... That is something that might be a little bit alarming. But again, this was all sold to us as if Kevin Stefanski went down there, showed him his offense, and and Deshaun Watson that's two was years excited. Ago. Two years ago. Yeah, but I mean, you, that stuff changes. Again, well, I don't think I didn't buy it from the get go. You were the first team out. You met, you went down right. there and you were the first team out. Of course, I didn't believe that from from the second they said it. Uh, this would be a bit of a problem. This would be a bit of a problem here because now you're lead. Well, it's a bit of a problem if it doesn't work out because then you're left in a position where a coach that people have ranted and raved against a time or two over the last couple of years and then have, have gone right back on his side. Like if I were to put it a if I were to put an approval rating out there, how many people would say they approve of the job Kevin Stefanski's doing? Seventy percent, which is nice. I mean, it's social media. I don't know what else would would do, but seventy percent would be a nice number. So now if you have that, boy, I don't know. If that doesn't work out and you are left powerless over that and they're just taking it out of you, man, I don't know. That doesn't sit well. When I'm saying I don't know, honestly, guys, it means that I'm trying to hold back from saying a lot of other things because I literally don't know some of it. And for a lot of it, I don't want to say it because I don't want to be a downer. Make sense to you, Tone? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He also said about the Cavaliers that Evan Mobley needs to shoot threes right now. Can we develop Evan Mobley on the fly right now? Yeah, that's really tough to do in the season. You brought this up to me earlier so, this week, and I... Uh, so I'll tell you this. When it comes to Evan Mobley and his jumper, he came into the league. I thought he had really good form. I thought he had way too slow of a release, but I'm like, who cares? He's he's so tall. He's so long. And guys are never going to... Tr- he's never going to be like, say... Uh, Dirk Nowitzki, where guys are going to be in his grill, or Kevin Durant. Like, I, I just don't, unless unless he becomes this amazing shooter with high frequency, high volume, and with, you know, high proficiency. So I thought that he had a lot of the, a lot of the look of a player that would be eventually able to shoot the ball. And then I saw him, and, you know, a couple times a game, he put one up, very slow release, but it looked like pretty good form. I'll tell you what, I saw the first. 20 games of this year before he went down with the knee situation, that form had eroded. And then I had talked to some people that had gotten some games early. These are basketball people. Had Mm -hmm. gotten some games early. I'm not able to go to the games right now because of the house arrest situation. You are not on house arrest. Consult with my attorneys. They're going to start taking you seriously if you say you're on house arrest. I need a judge to give me a better order. All right, fine. You're on house arrest. You're a piece of garbage. I don't know what else you want me to say. So... I, I talked to some people who have watched him. Well, not every. Not, see, you put me in a bad spot because not everybody on house arrest is a piece of garbage. We all make mistakes. <laughs> yeah. So now, what did you do to me? I think you can be a piece of garbage at times. So, hey, if you're on house arrest, 
Thanks for listening. <laughs> you're not the pe- well. You might be a piece of garbage for all I know, but I'm going to take it that you're not a full-on piece of garbage. You made a mistake, but Anthony's eh, a piece of say? garbage. Who's to say? So I talked to some basketball guys, Kenny, nitty-gritty basketball guys, yeah, who watched very early, got to the arena very early, and watched Evan warming up multiple times. Mm-hmm. You know, different games. They said his jumper's broke. It's completely broke. So why do you want to do that and so try to develop that right I, now? I, I I think that you you hope an athlete kind of figures it out. But what I'm worried about is, you know for a fact that they went into the offseason trying to work on that jump shot. And the Cavaliers, like their trainers can't be with Evan Mobley, you know, constantly every single day. Yes. But they have their personal coaches. They have their personal trainers. And Evan Mobley is somebody who's trying to get a max deal and is expected to get a max deal. I imagine he spares no expense in trying to help him get really good at all the things that, you know, he thinks there's a weakness. And he's capable. Like, it's one thing if a ninth guy off the bench, you know, is trying to work on his game. You know, you have limitations. Evan Mm -hmm. Mobley, there should be no limitations. He's got the athletic ability. He's got the prowess, son of a coach. Like, this, all this stuff should add up to be a really good shooter. And I'm just telling you that those first 20 games, zero comfort during the games. And you know why there's zero comfort during the games? Because if he's not making them before the games in warm-ups – and that jumper looks broke. It it stands to reason that he is very tentative, hesitant, whatever. My rebuttal to Jason, and we, I just didn't have enough time to sit there and bicker with him. We had to move on to the bronze, and frankly, I'm glad we did. My my rebuttal to Jason is it only works if the big inside has respect enough to move out of the lane and go with him. You watch more NBA than anybody on this station or really in sports radio in this city, Okay. You know it as well as I do. How many times a night when you watch the league tone where a guy will basically go, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Because they know they're not going to hit that shot. They know each other's spots on the floor and where they can hit and where they can't. If if Evan can't develop the shot, like they're watching tape too. If Evan can't develop the shot in that time, then we've done no good. We've done zero good with it. And that they won't, that won't bring anybody out of the lane. That's not going to bring Joel Embiid out of the lane. I'm using him as an example, even though he's getting an MRI today. Okay, fine. You take that shot. I'll just get your rebound, and we're going to go back on offense. 216-474-0092. Coming up next, we got a lot of people want to get in here. And, Mitch, you got something for us? It's going to make this show? All right. Better add up, buddy boy. You're one for two today. Ken Carmen, one for two this week. Mitch, please, coming up next on The Fan. This is about Evan Mobley shooting threes, whether or not it's a good idea. Might have to bring it back tomorrow as well. Also, a lot. Jason told everybody bad news on his opinion, and people are ripping the hell out of Jason, which good. He deserves it, and that's the way it ought to be. Mitch, you ready for Mitch, please? I'm ready. You going to make the show better today? Hopefully. All right, let's hear what you got. So our clip comes from WFAN in New York, the morning show with Boomer and Geo, and Boomer as in Esiason, was asked uh, what he thought the future of the Super Bowl might be, changing it from Sunday to Saturday. Boomer had a few different takes uh, than the one the caller presented. Here's the audio. When are they going to consider or have the conversation of moving the Super Bowl from Sunday to Saturday? Not happening. When they, there was, it's more likely they'll move it to President's Weekend. And I, I believe, no matter what the NFLPA says, I still think that they're going to try to go to 18 games. They have to grow the pie. That's what they always have to do. Yeah. You know, I know the NFLPA is going to have a lot of pushback on that. I would think that they would expand the rosters, which is going to be very important, especially for offensive and defensive linemen and running backs. And then uh, I think they're going to try to go to 18 games and try to move the Super Bowl to President's Weekend. Haven't I been talking about this for years? Well, I know this show has. I know we've, yeah, we've, we've talked been talking about, about this for years. Um, 
I'll tell you what. This is going to be great for quarterbacks. So you're going to get another 20 different. quarterbacks that are going to be able to play. Yeah, I know we've been talking about it for a few years. Does it mean something different, though, that it comes from? Boomer, who seems to be very locked into you're the league office. Boomer means the more league than me? Office. According to the league office, yes. That's fair point. He's on the CBS pregame show. His, I'm on the 92.3 The Fan Tailgate. Yeah, that's the same thing. Interesting. Uh, Dave in Macedonia, who would you rather listen to before a football game, me or Boomer Esiason? That's not the question, Dave. Oh, for goodness sakes. I was all set up to talk about Evan Mobley. You will here in a second. I want you to answer yeah, you the question, Yeah, you got to play Ken Zigo first. Yeah, thank you. Okay, let's hear the question again. Go ahead. Who would you rather listen to before a football game, me or Boomer Esiason? It's neck and neck. How's that for bailing out? I'm putting you back on hold. because Ken doesn't Chris do the impression anymore. And Chicago, because I lose my voice I every time. It's it, I know karma, and it's working against me. Chris in Chicago, who would you rather listen to before a football game, me or Boomer Esiason? Oh, I would rather listen to Ken Carmen. Thank you. i got to put you back on hold. Thank you for answering up. the question. I'm going to get back to you here in a second. Chris in Chicago is listening on the free Odyssey app. Dave, hello again. Feels like they're being asked <laughs> questions under duress. Go, yeah, that's a lot I'm not of gonna, I'm not going to give them the, the sweet chin music if they say You know, boomer. you don't get reliable well, information at, in uh, you know, Gitmo when you're asking questions I didn't the, say that this while was, you're waterboarding them. They're just going to tell you what you want to hear. I didn't say this was reliable inf- <laughs> information, and this I, could I be the radio it, equivalent of waterboarding. How about that? It was a compliment for Boomer, not for you, because huh. you're out in the head. You're, you're ahead of the pack. Thank How's you very that? much. I love that. Dave, continue. Go ahead with what you are going to say about Evan Mobley. I love Jason. He's a terrific guest, one of your top guests. But, His information is always great. But hey, hey, Evan, can you make fifteen footers? Fifteen footers, I'll take it. <laughs> you know what? Last year after the playoffs, who were the two players? You know, as frustrated Cavs fan, that you would sh- you would have shopped. Think about it. Who were the two players on our squad that you would have shopped after that series? Obviously, Jared Allen. There you go. The lights are too bright. Next. Probably a Coro. There you go. Anthony's right on top of it. Look at their seasons. The two most improved players on the squad. I love this team. This is the best stretch of basketball we've seen in a long. Let's go. Fire it up. There you go, Dave. There you go, Dave. Thank you very much, Dave. Loves Ken, loves Boomer, loves the team. Yeah, Cavs basketball, baby. Loves the PA announcer. Hey, but they put him in a bad spot. Defense and offense. Defense. All of the fence. All of the Defense and offense. Defense and offense. There's no special teams chant, is there? That's got to be a how come quickie. How come there's no special teams chant? There's really no offense chant either. Uh, Chris in Chicago, hello again. Guys, uh, great Hi. show. I mean, Thank honestly, you. a great show today. Thank wow. you. Uh, Stuff everywhere. Like I want to talk about Columbus and, and uh, Lakeview Cemetery, but we'll we'll maybe do that another day. But um, I, my thought is on this with the with figuring out, you know, what you're doing over the rest of the regular season, whether it's with Mobley or the rest of the team. You know, that home court advantage is the four seed last year. How long did that last? Does anybody remember? Forty eight minutes. Yeah. So to me, the home court advantage lately has been really overrated. So as long as you're not in the play-in, play-in game or whatever, or as long as you're not eighth or seventh seed, I don't know. I mean, if you're going between fourth, fifth, maybe even down to sixth, I, 
I'm okay with that. This regular season is just about. Are you saying bring out the heat? Yeah, the heat. Come on. The reigning <laughs> Eastern Conference champs. Yeah, they don't scare me. Uh, yeah, Chris. That's kinda, what the Bucks and the Celtics said. I don't want to be a downer, Chris, but here we are. Yeah, I kind of. <laughs> Thank you for the call, Chris. All right, Joe and Maria. Hello, Joe. Rather losing a lock and four. <laughs> there we go. Let's go. We're getting into Play it. Play the lock and four song. Tonight we're gonna tell you dirt. I don't have anything. I don't have a good song for lock and four. I don't know what it would be. What happened? Lock and four went dry. He had, he had so many great he stories. Stopped, he stopped doing being an insider. What? Ha- why? Why He's would you a stop? Simple radio show host. So in now he should market himself as an That's outsider. What, you guys sit I'm there. A simple, it's, a, yeah. it's an amazing thing. You I'm an outsider your, now. Bitch your moan about old Kenny Carmen being a little bit negative about the Cavs, even though I'm not. I just didn't want to flip the switch yesterday. Yeah, listen to listen to Jason. Yeah, yeah, that's what they get in Baltimore. You have anything else to add to that? Let's go. Jerry Scarlett. Let's go. <laughs> you didn't listen Let's to a go. damn He's word I said. Let's go. DG making his return. Tonight. Uh, Mitch, did that add to the show? I would say yes, but I didn't get a ruling from you guys. I, I need, yes, I didn't ask it you. added to the show, but again, similarly with yesterday, we could do a whole hour on 18 games and the and the implications. Well, like, why don't no, you? Don't so, so what happens? Ken, what happens you saw the injuries this year and last year, yeah. not just quarterbacks, but all the way around. Do you think in the CBA, the Players Association would try to limit the minutes, meaning you only have a bank of this many minutes or plays that you could play in so that you keep the roster full of talent or reserves? I don't know. I haven't been paying attention to you for the last 15 seconds. so And to make sure that guys don't get injured with the hours. frequency. The more they play, the more that the less seasons they're going to be able to Let's play. Does that make sense? No. Are we finished? Yeah. Listen to the emerging podcast scene presented by Extend Technologies. I'm not lying to you guys. This is hand to God truth. Another prominent radio show host in this country said that he listened to it. He said it was the most thorough basketball breakdown he's listened to all year. I'm not, and not that's not just like 2024 and some stupid January joke. All basketball season, he said, was the most thorough basketball breakdown he's ever listened to. Find out, 923thefan.com, on the free Odyssey app, the emerging podcast scene. Have a great day, everybody. Hey, sounds good. They're very mysterious creatures. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.